here's a quick story that doesn't need to really go on the podcast, but since oh. Al just me- mentioned his DS and Pokemon and stuff, uh, when I was working the other day, um, I was ringing up this guy, and he had like a little kid with him, like a little boy, maybe 8 to 10 or whatever, and uh, he had a Pokewalker, and so after I was finishing ringing up the guy, I was like, uh, this, this kid's father, I was like, so who do you have in your Pokewalker? And he looks at me with these big eyes, and he's like, you know about this? And I was like... <laughs> Um, of course. And he's like, oh my god! And he proceeds to launch into this long story about having this spiky-haired Pichu that he went through this incredibly long, arduous thing to acquire. And, like, I apparently asked the wrong question, because he's, like, going into this five-minute-long story, and his dad's like, um, let's go, let's go. Like, not really saying that, but trying to get his kid to go. And the kid Mm -hmm. just wouldn't shut up, and it was fucking hilarious. (laughs) That's funny. How old was the kid? Uh, he probably was like somewhere between eight and ten. I'm bad at telling kids' ages. Yeah, these kids. Which is why I'm always worried crazy. about ending up in jail. Oh. It is April 24th, it is Saturday, and it is time for the TryGames.net podcast. We are sitting here at episode 172. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I am your host, Austin, and I was uh, I don't know why I set, decided to wait for some odd response there, but I did. Uh, and I am here with my co-hosts. We've got Alfred the Antipode Chib. Also known as the Red Mage. Dread Mage. Chip is not his last name. We have Pete, the junior uh, Riven. Who does not have spina bifida. What is a bifida? What is spina bifida? For those who don't know, such as myself. Um, it's a spinal condition that it does something, and if I could spell it right in Google, I'd tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So you have heard of it. You just, yeah. Yeah. No, I had, had trouble. Development birth defect caused, oh, it's a de- birth defect. Well, fuck. Caused by the incomplete closure of the embryonic neural tube. Oh, weird. But you still have it, motherfucker, so. I do. No, I had trouble sitting up in bed today. We're getting a late start because I couldn't even sit up for for like a good five minutes, and then I finally rolled my ass out and then stood up. And then I feel better now. I think it's all part of getting older. And uh, having bad backs and bad knees. I, I can't move and I can predict the weather with my knees. Anyway, we have, for the first time in a long time, a lot of mailbag submissions for our, for our Let's Rebooting topic, which is very exciting. Uh, but before we even get to that, Pete, what have you been playing? Wee! Wee! Um, you've been playing Wee? Wee. Actually, I almost did, but I didn't. Get, I, I checked out Monster Hunter Try. Oh, but I haven't gotten hey. a chance to try it yet. Huh? Uh, me neither, and I have the demo. <laughs> so no, I have not played it yet. But what I have played is the Skate Two demo or Skate Three demo on. Uh, I skipped Skate Two, so this is, this is technically Skate Two to me. Um, did you use your wheelless board that you got from Pax? No, is you it, No, it's put away, and eventually I'm going to have it framed. Um, oh. oh. But, uh, yeah, so, um, Skate 3, a lot like Skate 1, only, I guess, better. Um, <laughs> More the same. Only yeah, better. pretty much in, like, the way Tony Hawk games were. It's kind of, like, going along that evolutionary path where instead of, like, really changing much about the city or the graphics and, and things like that. I mean, I'm sure it looks better because I haven't played Skate 1 in a long time, but I'm sure if you put them side by side, Skate 3 looks a lot better. But basically, they're just trying to evolve the actual, you know, 
the controls and the mechanics of the actual skating portion. So in this one, you can get on and off your board and actually walk around the environment, which uh, for this game is really good because this game wasn't about getting combos and stuff and, you know, massive amounts of points. It's about just trying to hit some cool ass lines and make your own like, little <laughs> videos of it and stuff. For some what? reason, I thought you could get off your board in the other ones, no? No, not as far as I know. Like, I know you couldn't in the first one. Um, and uh, when I don't know if you could in the second one, but I remember someone, some journalist's Twitter comment saying something about uh, how they were happy with the Skate 3 demo, how getting on and off the board finally, like, really opens up the game world. So I gotcha. think it, I think it's I new for this one. Uh, but yeah, that mechanic alone does make it really good to just get yourself back to like get, set yourself up perfectly in the spot you want to be in to try to like you know hit a hit a gnarly line, dude. Um, <laughs> although that's not kind of surfery, but yeah, whatever. Sounded cocaine-ish. Exactly, I was gonna say it makes me think of cocaine. Oh, that's like, why you're laughing. <laughs> well, get your minds off the drugs. Drugs are bad. Hey, um, I'm ingesting <laughs> drugs right now. It starts with a C too. But I'm drinking it. Caffeine. Mm. Caffeine. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, the only other thing I played was I uh, checked out WarioWare DIY. Oh, nice. And yeah, I actually uh, I really enjoyed that game. Uh, you know, Al, you talked about it a lot last week, but mm. uh, so just to kind of describe my experience with it, I went through the first set of tutorials. I think it's like the first six or whatever. That like mm -hmm. basically teach you all the basics for making a game, and then I made a game. So like within five hours after having started it, I had like a completed game, and I felt that it was fairly adequate and like playable and fun and stuff. So I actually took a video of it, like you did with yours, and I'll put it up on YouTube at some point. Um, mm -hmm. probably by the time people would be hearing this, it'll be up there. Um, because I'll try to get up there later today so you can see it. But basically, to describe my game, uh, I. I drew. I used a lot of the preset art. I didn't want to do a lot of drawing because I'm bad at drawing. Um, so I uh, using my art. Well, I saw the video of your game, and your game actually looked pretty good too. Uh, you know. Yeah, but a lot of the only thing that I actually drew was the arrow and the bowman. Well, so... it was a it was a very long and straight arrow. <laughs> well, that's easy to do. You just draw a line. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm good at drawing straight lines. So, so I uh. I basically did the space background and plopped an earth stamp down on there and uh, using the earth stamp I like just edited that to make a giant like gaseous fireball and uh, using gaseous. using uh, the Mario fl flame icon uh, as basically the quote unquote enemy or like dangerous thing in the stage uh, that that was that and then I just I did draw a spaceship because there wasn't really a good like there wasn't any really preset spaceship thing so I did draw one of those. And my game was a simple, uh, the spaceship starts randomly on the left side of the stage, uh, will automatically fly towards the Earth, um, but the at, at a random interval during the game length, the uh, gaseous fireball will uh, shoot out its its little flame fireball thing towards you. Uh, so what I did was I actually constructed buttons on the screen, like an up button and a down button and a stop button. So like you tap on the buttons to control the ship as opposed to like just tapping someone on the screen. And so, yeah, like you tap, if you hit that button, the spaceship will start, you know, going up. If you hit down, it'll go down. If you hit stop, it'll stop. And uh, then I, my problem was I was having problem because I didn't want to put in a fourth button. So like then it was like tap anywhere on the screen to get the spaceship to start going again. But like that didn't really confer well to like or like you know it wasn't really described well enough to like really if someone else was playing it they might not realize that um mm -hmm. 
but either way it was a functional game and like i was really like surprised at myself for being able to map or like like make and correctly map these button controls to the game that i was making there so that's cool i like the fact that you can make those on-screen buttons um and uh yeah like i said i have a video of it i'll try to put it up at some point uh and i would have definitely bought the game if i hadn't this past week bought uh the, the Deus Ex pack, which, you know, has Deus Ex uh, Game Five of the Year and Invisible Five War. Dollars five long. fucking dollars. And five then I also, dollar. because these were also five dollars, I bought Trine and I bought, uh, just because I didn't have it, the Penny Arcade uh, uh, Episode 2 game. Because I had the first one, but not the second one. Um, so, seeing as I bought that stuff and I spent money to buy 1,600 points so me and Des could buy a lot more Rock Band songs, I... Uh, passed on WarioWare DIY for now. Also, I don't have my own DS, so uh, someday I might actually get that, though, because that is a really, really good game, um, and I had fun creating my game, and that's all I've been playing. If anybody, speaking of which, wants to see Al's video, it is on www.twitvid.com. Uh, capital A3, capital V is in vagina. H-I. So that has... um. That has his video up there, and I think the funny thing about it is that you're shooting the arrow over and over and over again. Yeah, and I'm actually doing it while looking at my phone. At your phone? So I'm actually not oh looking God. at the game, and then like when I screw up, it's only it's, it's really only because I'm not really looking at the game. But you should also know that on the related video sidebar, there are videos by Big Al Marketing, I and I Alfred Yah, fuck you Alfred, <laughs> Great. and Alfred Depew. Alfred Depew? Yeah. D-E-P-E-W. Fuck you, Alfred. <laughs> Fuck that's you, nuts. Um, Alright, so yeah, that's where his video is. Pete has... Uh, not Pete already talked. Ow, what have you been playing? Um, well, well, I played a little bit of Final Fantasy XIII. Um, stuck in Chapter 11. Not stuck, but it's just a really long chapter, so I haven't been oh. able to finish it. Um, I think I'm like 36 hours in. And it, okay, I I don't know if it's gonna end soon because I don't know if they're gonna just like throw a whole another story arc out of their asses once I get past this and get to the town that I've been trying to get to for the past like ten hours. They shit sun, they shit sun fool, and um, so I've been playing that and uh, I've been really busy because life sucks and. I also have been playing WarioWare DIY, of course. Uh, I actually came up with three ideas for games, the third of which I probably don't remember now, but the other two I wrote down. I was watching uh, Superman 3 at work. Oh, no. And they had this thing where they were trying to shoot down Superman with these um, with missiles. And Is this the one was... with Richard Pryor? Yes. Okay. And <laughs> they, had, uh, they had all these like computer-related things because... Apparently, like, Superman 3 was about Richard Pryor, like, being, like, out of luck and trying to find a job. He yeah. becomes a computer programmer. Like, becoming a computer programmer just takes, like, three easy payments in 1999. Did he have Gene before. Wilder's help? Uh, No, no, Gene Wilder wasn't in this. I was going to say. <laughs> um, the, the guy who was in this, the bad guy was, uh, fuck, I can't remember. He's a bad guy in another movie, and I can't remember what it was. But this movie was really funny. Just as a quick sidebar, because Superman, um, they they give him like some really funked out like man-made kryptonite, and it turns him into a bad guy. 
I don't know if anybody's seen it. This is the first time. I, it, like, it was a Saturday long time ago, it. and I just remember Richard Pryor being in it and being really bad. Right. Now, this <laughs> is like, yeah, the very bad. first time I've actually, like, sat down and watched Superman 3, even though I didn't see the whole thing because I didn't have to, like, watch it for work. I had to put it into the system and send it out for captioning. Okay. So I watched some of it. So they give him this, like, funky kryptonite, and it turns him into a bad guy, like, kind of like Hancock in the beginning of the movie. Like, he just doesn't care about anything. Oh, so and he's not a villain. He's just... Yeah, it turns just... him into just, like, an asshole. Okay. And he does things not because it's right, but he does things that he wants to do. Like, he was trying to... Like, for, for the first, like, 15 minutes after he got that kryptonite, he was trying to get pussy. It was like... <laughs> He was in Kansas with Lana, with uh, Kentucky, wherever Smallville is. He's there with Lana, and he's trying to like get with her, but there's a, a tanker about to fall off a bridge, and he's like, "Oh, I always get there on time." And <laughs> she's like, "Shouldn't you be helping?" And he's like, and then he like tried to kiss her, and then he was like, "Wait a minute, I really should be going out to check on this tanker." And then he gets there too late, and the tanker already falls off the the bridge. Oh well. And then he just kind of like shrugs it off and flies like, away. Whatever. And then this one of the the bad guys, like girl, she's like all like boobied out and stuff like that. Boobied out. Yeah. Um. She tries to get Superman to do something for her because there's a tanker that's not going where it's supposed to go, and the whole thing is about oil. They're trying to get all oil and make a whole bunch of money or something like that. So a tanker was going back to Metropolis and it wasn't supposed to. So the girl puts herself on top of the Statue of Liberty. And Superman flies over, and he's like, I'm not flying here to save you. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well. It's like Kratos. It, I didn't yeah. come here for you. So then she tells him about the tanker, and she's like, well, if you do it, you know. And they don't really say anything. Then he goes and, like, busts a hole in the tanker, and all the oil spills out. <laughs> and then it Is that metaphoric or what? <laughs> but then he flies back to the lady's house, and he, like, has sex with her. <laughs> It's, I was just like, wow. Is this, uh, is this rated PG still? Yeah. I mean, it, oh. it's implied because she's like, right, right. Dead and she's like, oh, Superman. And then he's like, yeah. He doesn't have sex with her. He just one ba- thing he bakes only. her a cake. <laughs> he bakes her a cake with his laser eyes. He baked her. So then after that, he started to get into a slump because I think he was starting to feel bad about himself, but he just didn't know what to do. So he's sitting in the bar getting drunk. He's got stubble <laughs> and everything. And it was hilarious because it was right before he like turns everything around and becomes a good guy again. Um, this, uh, I think it's Lana, yeah, Lana and her son were walking down the street, and before they get to the bar where he's going sitting, do sorry, he's like breaking shit because he doesn't like to look at himself in the mirror, and he's like flicking, you know, the little peanuts that they have at the bar. Yeah. He's flicking them at the alcohol bottles and breaking them, and they're like not stopping him. <laughs> and then you see them, he sees himself in the mirror, and he's like completely pissed off, so he shoots his eye lasers and molds the mirror so you can't lasers. see Lasers. And then this guy all of a sudden is like, hey, look, Superman's drunk. <laughs> I was crying. Don't you I think that. it would take a little more than Earth beer to get Superman drunk? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think he was drinking a whole fucking lot, but. The funniest thing about it was that Superman has stubble. Just to accentuate <laughs> the fact that he was an asshole. And his clothes were all dingy because he, he didn't take a bath or a shower or nothing. Superman has stubble. So anyway, he turns to a good guy and then they start like trying to kill him because he goes after him. 
and they keep using these computers. And every time you use a computer, guess what sound comes up? Uh, oh, this is way back in the day, so I, I wouldn't be able to guess that. Yeah, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Pac Man sound. Yes. Yes, that's what they used. No, no, just 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 the the the, the first two little bits, not the actual gameplay. Sound. But they're doing that, and they have this thing where Superman's flying on the screen in the computer screen. Now, mind you, this is a computer program, and it has Superman flying in it. Oh, I saw that. I remember that part clearly. And they're trying to shoot him down. They have all these, like, targets and shit, and the rockets or the missiles are coming up trying to hit Superman. I think one of them actually hits him or whatever. <laughs> so that gave me an idea to uh, make a game like that, and I'm working on it right now. Oh, this... <laughs> wow, that was a good story for that. Yeah. I'm trying to figure that out. And then I have another game. I'm uh, playing Pokemon and uh, doing stuff that I really don't feel like talking about. And this morning, I woke up and decided to crack open one of the games that I got. I hadn't played yet, so I played Tatsunoko vs. Capcom for like nice. two and a half hours. Oh, shit. Uh, and in that two and a half hour period, guess what I did? You learned it. Uh, well, yeah, I learned a little bit of it, and the basics and how the gameplay actually works. Then I beat the arcade mode, and after I beat the arcade mode, I went to survival mode and went 45 wins. Oh, shit. Because it took, like, 40 wins for them to actually start fighting me back. So I got to try it on a higher 40 wins? Level. Yes, 40 wins. This and then truly it, is the era of the Wii. <laughs> and I mean, but it was on default difficulty. And I was playing with Ryu and Batsu, and I, I was completely owning them with all kinds of Marvel's Capcom related shit. So it was rather easy. Uh, finally, WTF before my uh, time is up, I played the Spinner Cell Conviction demo and it was rather fun. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to buy it because I'm not really good at stealth games, but I had a good time with the, the actual game in and of itself. What did you think about the things that we were talking, that Pete and I were talking about last time? Like uh, the, being that the, the I black have... and white thing, the, the, um, the you have to kill enemies hand to hand in order to build up that uh that the execution, what, yeah. execution yeah all that stuff. Honestly, like, what are your thoughts on it? Since I've never played any Splinter Cell before, it I thought it was perfectly fine. What? 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 You never played well, any more... Splinter Cell. <laughs> I've so, never so played Splinter from, Cell. So just from like just from like an overall perspective, without even having played the games, like does it does the uh, does the black and white bother you in terms of being able to see? I'm just wondering if like. Me and Pete, Pete and I have terrible eyes. <laughs> you know, uh, like it did not bother me. Um, okay, mainly because like the black and white. If if I couldn't see something, and I like, well, not even couldn't see something, but if I needed to see if there were people around, I would just use the the goggles. Oh, okay. So Wait, I there's fucking goggles. The goggles. The sonar goggles. Do you have don't... them right at the beginning? In the in the in the demo, in the demo they're in the beginning. Have oh, okay. In the game, you don't. Ha as far as I know, in the game, you didn't have them like for the first like up to where I was because I never had any fucking goggles to use. Yeah, this uh, the demo took place in some warehouse. You had to disable an EMP bomb and save a, a scientist. Yeah, so I don't know if you've done that in the regular game and I, I, see if it matches up. I think I did. But... I don't remember, but I don't. I don't remember having goggles, or if I did, I never fucking realized I had them and I never used them. Mm. Yeah, the goggles were really fun to use because then I would like fuck around with people. I, I would, thought, uh, for some reason, Pete, I thought you had played the demo as no. well. No, like as like in addition to name, so negative. Okay, okay, all right. But it was, it was fun messing around with them, like 
you kill somebody and then everybody would like run around to that spot and then you had that last no location and then you just sneak behind them and like kill another guy and then run away and they think you're like in the other side and then you go and you like pop somebody else in the head and then you go and do the execution peeking and then it's like the way that the game is built it's really fun for you to screw around with the, the guards there's a uh, there's a great penny arcade comic about the splinter cell thing oh, with the guys um, that talk too much yeah it's like yeah, I read that we're one. coming for you fisher you better watch the fuck out you seem like a big tough guy fisher watch your fucking regimen where you want on supplements I tried to bulk <laughs> up and I really need some goddamn advice I'm thinking about starting a band, Fisher. Me and some of the other guys. We really need a bassist. You play bass, Fisher. Have you seen the documentary, The Cove? It's a real eye-opener, Fisher. And then he's just like sitting there hiding behind the wall going like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> but I, I, they, they did talk like in the little of the demo that I, well, not the little of the demo. The demo itself was little. But in the demo that I played, it was that they are really like, wow, they're like, hey, I saw him. Where'd he go? Yeah. They're really And then they have something about like the storyline in the next comic. I'm not going to read because somebody might think it's a spoiler, but it basically, apparently, it's as twisted as Middle Gear Solid 2 was. Oh, damn. So that's what that comic is about. Um, Is that all you've been playing since your four minutes over? Yeah. Uh,. I, I don't th- good uh, good thing I don't have much to say this time so that Pete doesn't have to to be tortured by by him not wanting to listen to anything. Um, still been playing Final Fantasy IV, uh, and I actually passed some part in Call of Duty Four that has been bugging me for the longest time, and now I'm at this other part in Call of Duty Four that will be bugging me for the longest time. And yes, I'm still playing Call of Duty Four. Leave me alone. Hey, I I'm still like in the beginning of Call of Duty Four, so on I'm the beginning. You. Yeah. Yeah, see, I started working on that, and I was like, I'm gonna finish this. It's a short game. Everybody says it takes five hours. I'm gonna beat it, and it's been a year. Yep. <laughs> so, Only because I it, it kind of makes me sick when I play it. It does really. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It could worse than Half Life. Like, no, not worse than Half Life. But like, I can play it for a while, and then I just feel like, uh, yeah, I probably should stop playing. Is it because of the way that they reload? Because you know, like nah. the, it's it's one of those games that you know when you reload the camera, like looks down to the gun or, or something, and it it kind of makes it a little bit more realistic looking, but also a disorienting for some people. Mm-hmm. No, I, I honestly don't know what it is. Um, it's just something about the way that the game moves or the way I move in the game and how smooth it is on my computer. Uh huh. So it's 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 too smooth. The graphics are too good. Yeah, the graphics are too good. It's too real. <laughs> it's it's over real. Over real. Over real. All right. Well, we're gonna take a short break as we move on to Let's Rebooting, which is making a triumphant return. And when we return, we're going to go to Let's Rebooting, which is what I just said. <laughs> we'll be right back. back with oh my god it's let's rebooting 
but instead of talking about a game, we're going to talk about our console. Specifically, specific upon Libby, we are talking about what was the first console that we bought with our own money. And by own money, let me be very specific. I don't mean you saved up allowance. I mean you mowed lawns, you worked part-time, and you earned that shit, and you spent it on a video game console that is probably broken today. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ah, it sounds like you want to go first. You want me to go first? I uh, no, because you were. Hmm, and it sounds like what? Let, let me finish the 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 rest of the topic. Um, sure. Not only just what you bought, but your memories about it. Is it still working? Do you still use it? Uh, your favorite games for it. Your first games for it. Blah 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 blah. Etc. Etc. Yada yada. So who wants to go first? I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll go ahead. Do you um, want to receive unwanted chats? Decrease your privacy on Skype. Sorry, go yes. ahead. Um, Burp. So I actually thought about it in detail this morning, like as I woke up, and it made me do that exact same laugh. And everyone was like, what are you laughing about? And I explained it to her. So <laughs> first up, um, no, no, it's not the double dragon knee uh, laugh, which is also very awesome. But um, the first console I ever purchased with my own money is a Sega Saturn. Um, since you know, I I was in a, always in a situation where I had to make my own money. I was actually working really early. Like I got my first summer job at fourteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it might have been the summer job, or I don't remember what year. I I didn't get the Saturn when it first came out, but I got it shortly after. I remember going to, shit, what was that store? It couldn't have been a GameStop. It might have been. It was the like. Wiz? No, no, no. Funko no, no. Land. Funko Land. Wow. <laughs> That's old, man. Funko Land. All right. Um, uh, oh, man. Remember those ads in the, the magazines from Funko? And it was just like a whole page of games for like a dollar. And you're like, <laughs> oh, shit, I want to buy these. And it seemed to almost be like a scam. I don't know if you remember those. I'm asking a question I, to you too. I'm trying don't to. No, I was really trying to think. I, I don't. I don't remember. You don't remember, those. like in EGM, it, it was just basically I like didn't a pay page attention to ads as a like kid. Games. That was but wait. Was that was like, a Funko Land ad. It was a Funko Land ad, but it wasn't Funko Land. It was like Funko Inc. Before they had stores called Funko Land. Oh, the, I do remember ads for like lists and lists of games, but I didn't know they were anything to do with Funko Land. Yeah, they were from Funko. Funko Inc. Uh, anyway. I bought the Sega Saturn from somewhere around like Sega. 80-something street. Uh, the, it had to have been like a GameStop. Or it used to be a software, et cetera, before oh, they software, turned into it. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, it probably was because it was that probably that software, et cetera, right there on like 84th Street by the mm. movie theater. Yep, yep. I think that that was where I bought it, and I got it for like 400 bucks or something like that because it was insane. And I bought that with... Mysteria, which is now called Blazing Heroes because of a like a trademark violation or something like that. Oh shit! And um, I also got shoot. I think I have Blazing Heroes as well. Um, damn, I really don't remember what the other game was. Uh, it was basically a first generation uh, Bug? Saturn game, huh? Bug? No, 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 no. Like, a <laughs> like hell no. Like a, I mean, Bug is the Sega game, but I mean. I, oh, yes, it was. It was Virtual Fighter 2. I got Virtual Fighter 2 and Mysterio. Virtual Fighter 2 looks fucking good. 
Virtua Fighter Two is like the best Saturn game ever. Um, <clears throat> by the way, Bug was pretty good. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, I had it. Oh, you had okay. a Saturn too? Yeah. Nice. I'm just saying that. Yeah, I just wanted to comment because I didn't want you guys to start rag on Bug. Bug's Bug is. Oh, I never shit. played Bug, so I can't really say anything about it. Bug is awful. It's the worst shit I've ever played. I never played it. Ha. <laughs> so, um, I got that, and that's when I started like my Sega Saturn like frenzy. Like basically, I got it because of Virtual Fighter Two. Ah. Uh... And uh, I got a couple of games after, I guess, whatever. But uh, I don't have. You're that like Saturn after anymore. after Virtual Fighter Two. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, I mean, other than like Marvel superheroes and then the the Japanese games, and I was getting the uh the Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter, X Men versus Street Fighter, um, and the, the various other Japanese games that were freaking awesome for that console because the American games were shit. Um, yeah, that's but a shame. I don't Radiant have, Silver. Oh, yeah. I don't have that Saturn anymore because I tried to mod it, and me trying to be an electrical engineer, I like soldered a <laughs> hole in the board, and boom, <laughs> there that went. So Oops. I had to buy another one. I bought a Japanese one, and I still have my Virtual Fighter too. In its original case, uh, although it's probably all scratched up, it still works. I do not have Mystery anymore because somebody probably stole it. Oh shit! Um, but I How'd did that happen. How'd that happen? I don't know. I, I lost a whole bunch of games from my high school days because people like to steal them left and right. Oh, I know why. Uh, there was this whole big fiasco. From like your locker? This... Huh? From like your locker or something? No, 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 no. From my house. Oh, uh, sh- oh shit. Like people came over and they'd be like, yo, I'm la- leaving out later. Later. Yeah, shit yeah. Go? That kind of <laughs> happened once or twice. And also, but there was a, a really sucks. big situation where uh, like this guy was jealous of my friendship with Rob, and I had loaned him my Saturn with my games, oh, and then he claimed that he loaned it to Robert, and then Robert like gave all my games to all a whole bunch of other people, when in fact he did that himself. Right. He's taking my games, to act like it was his. So he was like, people were asking to borrow them, and he would just like lend them out to them. Um, and I managed. You just made to get... an odd shift from Rob to Robert. Hmm. You just made an odd shift from Rob to Robert. Oh, I'm sorry. I do that uh, left and right. This doesn't to be sorry, but I just think it's I know. amusing. Wow. You amuse me. Oh, you what? You think I'm a clown? Me. I'm here to amuse you. Am I a clown? Am I here to amuse you? No. No. <laughs> oh. So, um, <laughs> no. yeah, that ended in a story that I don't feel like talking about, but oh. I did get the Saturn back with like a fraction of the games that I originally owned. That's so, crap. You know, around that time, I kind of learned to, you know, live with loss at that point because like you know if if that was a couple of years earlier i would really had a problem with yeah losing games like that like you know i had dragon force for uh sega saturn just one of the best strategy games i've ever owned and that fell off the top of my tv and and had a tiny little scratch that completely rendered it unusable you borrow mine (laughs) that would be nice um now it doesn't even. I don't play it. Anymore. I should, but yeah, they should like make the game for PSP. But of course, like oh, that would be great. Designs is around anymore. Um, well, who who did the Lunar port to PSP? It might have just been Game Watch. Oh, not, well, did Game Watch do Lunar? Uh, I believe so. I believe they were the developer. So they I could be mistaken though. Say Lunar. PSP. Uh, I will look that up because that's what we do. I'm looking it up. Exceed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure they could. You know, figure something out though. Yeah, but I doubt that they would pick up a game that old and go, um, yeah. So, anyway, that was that, and uh, just as a quick rundown, 
after the, that wow $199 for Lunar Silver Story complete for, for PlayStation new from Amazon Amazon anyway, I don't know oh there must uh, be an auctioner uh, yes yeah, my big game vendor and fulfilled by Amazon only three left $200 a piece anyway wow uh, I bought a PlayStation after that for 200 and then I bought my Dreamcast after that which is still around. They're both actually still around. And I bought an N64, which I don't really use. But I think I bought that really late. Yeah, I uh, N64 for me was was uh, it, it was it was late to the point where my N64 is a used one from GameStop for thirty dollars. Damn, that's how late it is. Yeah, I got mine new, but I got it and I bought um, I think I bought that because I re- I remember refusing to buy an N64 unless they came out with Metroid for it. But oh, she came out with Zelda for it, and that's when I bought it. You're like, all right, fine. Yeah, I mean, mine was like, you know, a delayed purchase enough that they that it came with a purple controller. Oh wow! So I don't know, like, I don't even understand why there was a purple controller. Because they wanted to, because <laughs> they wanted to get all all crazy and colorful and fruity, yeah, purple. Yeah. And, and no, 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 it's indigo. Oh, I'm sorry, indigo, <laughs> indigo. <Okay>. No, <laughs> all right, I'm done. Pete. Okay. Uh, I'll keep my story short because I'm. I know I've. I've told this numerous times. I'm pretty sure even on this podcast at some point. But uh, like I grew up with like kind of spoiled because I had a gaming dad. Uh, right. I mean, he doesn't game much anymore. But you know, growing up, he was like as obsessed with video games then as I am now. And uh, so, like me and my brother were pretty much supplied with all the consoles throughout the throughout the years. But the uh, first console I know that I definitely know that I bought myself was uh, a PlayStation 2. What happened was, uh, it, it, it's kind of a ridiculous story, but uh, I got I was old enough to finally get a credit card, and I like told myself, I'm going to be responsible and mature with this credit card. <laughs> I'm only going to use it for emergencies only. And within 24 yeah, hours... Right. First I, thing you bought was a PlayStation yep, 2. Exactly. My first emergency was, I needed this PlayStation 2 and Grand Theft Auto uh, 3. Well, you so, have to be socially relevant, right? So exactly, and culturally re- relevant. So, yeah, yeah, that's an emergency. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> th- and then you know that emergency spiraled into a debt that still follows me around today. Oh shit! Um, but, <laughs> that's uh, oh, shit. Three sixty. What's that? What's that? It sounds like my three sixty. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, that that was the first console I ever bought on my own. Um. I guess technically I never finished paying for it, so I don't know if it counts as owning it on my own. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I bought it on my. Take it back. What's that? <laughs> you own it till they take it back. Well, I don't actually have it anymore. Oh well, they can't take it back then. Ah. Word. And it's been way over seven years, so isn't that supposed stuff stuff supposed to come off your record after so long or whatever? I don't have that credit card anymore, and whatever debt was accrued on it is so long ago that I I think it's like. It's wiped to zero or something like that, or just it, <laughs> they're like, we're never going to get it did back. Did you not pay your credit card? Oh, I never pay credit cards. I'm really bad about that. Oh shit! Oh my god! So the- yeah, <laughs> I mean, I stopped. I stopped fucking around with credit cards a long time ago, so that like it would this stuff would stop happening to me. But I'm really bad about paying credit cards. So yeah, you should. But, but, but so, right so, I'm, so like you, that debt is still outstanding, and you weren't. You are never going to pay it. <laughs> well, as of this point, there's no. Like sense in paying it because, as far as I know, not to get into a whole big credit well, story. Well, it's got to be written off but, by now. Yeah, like there after uh, there's a statute of limitations on how oh, that's, long. Okay, that's they, a seven year thing, is what you're saying. Yeah, okay. I mean technically that debt is still there, but it's not. I'm pretty sure they can't come after me for it now. 
Um, and after so many years, I believe it stops counting as against your actual credit rating. So, dude, that's nuts. Well, it depends. Yeah. Cause I mean, if the company wrote it off, then it's done, and and then that would stay on your record for the amount of time, and that's probably gone. So now your credit is good again. Well, I mean, my credit's not good again because I have other problems, but I'm oh. working on fixing that. And you know, like I said, a co- like maybe about five, six years ago or something, I like swore off credit cards so that I would stop right. fucking around. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, uh, that yeah. That goddamn credit rating is going to fall. You aren't like a motherfucker, though. Yeah, I mean, you should, everyone, you should kill it. You should find I, it and, like, kill it. Everyone told me, like, after after I started making mistakes, everyone's like, dude, you should just declare bl- bankruptcy because it's going to help you out in the long run. And oh. I didn't. So, oh. like, I should have, though, because definitely that would have, like, pro- I would have been fine now. I mean, I'm getting into a stable territory now. Um, and luckily, I happen to be dating a girl who has, like, the world's best credit rating, apparently. Oh, nice. Um, That's so, the solution. Like, yeah. <laughs> Must if, you want, if you want tall kids, marry a tall woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, uh, I, it, irregardless of all that credit crap history, the PlayStation 2 was awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I enjoyed my time with that and Grand Theft Auto, and I never look back and regret having you know made that decision to buy it. Everyone made fun of me, but I don't care because I would not be the person I am today if I had not been completely made fun irresponsible. Of you for what? Or, or for, is it just the credit thing? Just made, yeah, for the credit thing for oh. for being very irresponsible. But I wouldn't be me if I was if I was responsible then. Now I'm responsible. <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> great. That um, sounds good. And then yeah, I mean like ever since then I've pretty much bought all my own consoles. You know. I I went I think that's kind of spawned my whole uh trading things in for other things and then regretting trading them in and wanting right. to buy them ah. and so while I may have in a way stolen money by not paying off my credit <laughs> I've paid for things like 3 times you over thief. so the universe balanced out sure did. dirty thief <laughs> dirty thief and when was this exactly that you bought the uh PS2 um I don't know when did it come out. Two thousand. So, so it was right when it came out. Uh, pro- when did Grand Theft Auto Three come out? Oh, good question. So whenever that came out. Yeah, because I know that like that was relatively new, and I was like, I gotta go get it. I don't know if I can count this because it's not. It's with it's with the credit card company's money, <laughs> not your money. <laughs> well, if it's I, I actual, it. if it's actual money, money. But he never paid it off. <laughs> yeah, true. So it's not his money. <laughs> but still. I think that it's see. It's the first console I've acquired of my own means. Let's say that it wasn't your own means. <laughs> I drove well, he myself went out to and store. got it himself. <laughs> yeah, but that's like saying, "Oh, I got I got graduation money as a gift. I'm gonna go out and drive to the store." <laughs> that, that that's not what I meant. Ah, uh, um, I, I just think it's funny though. Like, but but for the sake of argument, what was the first console then after the credit card fiasco that you bought? Like with with your own tuxedo money. Um, honestly, I guess I'm assuming that's one of the first jobs you had, or no? No, no, I had like tons of jobs before then, most oh, okay. of which would only last like a week or two. But like seriously, my my actual full employment history is like fucking long. I couldn't think of something funnier to say. Um, <laughs> and right. uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of what else. Like, so what? PlayStation Two. I went to. I don't know, Austin. You answer it, and I'll think if I can think of something okay. I actually bought with my own actual, like, hard-earned dollars. <laughs> dollars <laughs> that the, actually, and not American Express. <laughs> uh, I think uh, 
I'm trying to remember when I actually had a um a part-time job with enough funds to actually like earning enough funds to to buy a console because the first part-time job I ever held lasted only a day. It was a family friend and then like he looked up some some regulations and realized that I was too young to be under his employ. So he's like I I I got to cut you loose. I'm really sorry, but here's $45 for the day. <laughs> I'm like all right. Um and then I had another part-time job that was another kind of like $5 an hour thing, and, and that lasted for like a summer. So I don't even know if I had enough money uh, before I got to high school to buy um, my own shit because there was some point where I bought a Game Boy, the one with the, uh, the, the yellow one, which I broke by accident and then bought a red one. <laughs> but I can't remember if that was all me or some of what I had saved up from like, you know, allowance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to count that. So the first real console then that I bought with my own money, uh, and this is this is after Al, you and I had met at uh, at Vault, and they they stopped with that stupid stipend shit and started actually paying real, you know, uh, real wages to the, yeah. to the interns. Stipend crap. Um, I, was, I actually was hired, I think, before that. And then the people who were hired after me got that. But I think, uh, I think you were doing like, not that I think you definitely were doing more important shit in like, you know, far uh, not intern shit. You know what I mean? Oh right. Well, when you got there, I mean, you were coding, programming. Yeah, I think so. Okay. No, I got there before. No, no, no. I I was there before you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I was there with the with the tiny ass office when they yeah. I was there with the wait the tinier office than the before they even had the second floor before they had the second. Okay. Yeah. So, the, but but at at that point, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I had like my own money to get stuff, like not just like oh I'm gonna get lunch today with my own money, but like get stuff. And the PlayStation was ninety nine dollars by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were telling me about all the RPGs that were on it, like No Face Saga and all that bullshit. Oh yeah. No I was like, you know what? You know, I've been the biggest fan of Final Fantasy for the longest time, and I've been sitting here playing Street Fighter Alpha Two really slow, like with a really slow gameplay on my Super Nintendo on a shitty ass TV. It's time I made the upgrade. And so, as a graduation present to myself, I went and bought a, a PS One, like the original clunky one. This is before the shrunken one came out. And uh, yeah, I think that was around the same time I got mine. I think. Did we buy it together? No, no, we. I don't know if we did, because I know I got a PlayStation late, late, because I got it before it got shrunk, and I also got it around the time that we were going to Elizabeth Street to get our consoles modded. Right, but I never got my modded. So then maybe I got mine before you. I think uh, I, I had to have gotten with mine you. before you if I was telling you about games and stuff. That's what I thought. But, but I don't like, even remember, man. Shit. It could have been one of those things where we were just talking about it, and you knew a lot about what was out, and I was like, "Oh, I should get one." Um, but yeah, it was, it was ninety-nine dollars, and I think I picked up. Uh, I can't remember what the first thing, very first thing I picked up from that store was. But when I came home later that day, um, there was a mom and pop kind of—I shouldn't call it mom and pop. I should call it a Korean cell phone guy video game <laughs> store, because um, that's what it was. It was just a Korean guy selling cell phones and some video games in a glass case, and like there were a lot of video games and a lot of cell phones. I'm like, okay, uh, and I bought. No, I remember when I was with you, Al. I bought Lunar: The Silver Star Story Complete in the big thick ass box. Yep, with the cloth map and all. That I kind of remember. This, was this from Thirty uh, Third Street? No, this was from fourteen. Like, this was from Fourteenth Street. 
um, and like Eighth Avenue or something. Ah, that store. Okay. And uh, which I don't even know if is if, if is there anymore. I I don't think it is. Um, but yeah, I, I that that I came home with, and then I went out again to buy Street Fighter Alpha Three. So those are my first two games, and I, I think just remembering playing the PlayStation and being like, I bought this not next gen, but I bought this system that you know was the current generation of, of and the pinnacle of technology at this point before the Dreamcast came out, and I'm playing a remake of a Sega CD game. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> and you know it, it's you know it's like completely 2D and like it's it's sort of colorful. But stored is still SNES era, and I'm like, I just came for this era. And then I started playing, and, and like the battles had them like saying stupid shit, like like Nash would be like, or was that the guy's name Nash, the the what, sorcerer? He'd say stupid, huh? Blonding boom? No, 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 Lunar. Sorry. Oh, Lunar. Oh, and he'd say uh, stupid shit like when he'd cast a spell, he'd be like, check this out. And it was just like, oh my that, god, I don't know shut up. Name, but yeah, the, I know you're talking about. And he'd be like, check this out, and then Luna would be singing in like terrible uh, like terrible dub and it was just like if this is what they're using CDs for and this is what I missed out by by not having a Sega CD I'm very sad um, that was what they were using CDs for yeah <laughs> it was <laughs> but then I played Street Fighter Alpha 3 and I'm like all is right with the world and I absolutely loved it until it came out for Dreamcast and you started taunting me you're like yeah Guile's unlocked from the beginning I'm like shut up <laughs> um, and I, the funniest thing about it about having a PlayStation is that I never got Final Fantasy VII, ever. I, it was one of those things where back in the N64 days, I was like, I want an N64 day. Uh, it's working again, <laughs> and and because it stopped working for a long time. But I wanted to get an N64, and then they said Final Fantasy VII was coming out for it, so I got all upset and I started crying like into my soup, and then. <laughs> I wasn't eating soup at the time, nor did I actually cry when I found out that <laughs> Seven was coming out, but whatever. Um, and I played it at my friend Alex's house, and I'm just like, you know what? I don't, you know, now that I've played it, I don't really care about it. Like, it's not that, like, I remember when we were doing that Final Fantasy discussion, and I was like, it, it didn't really hit me until I owned it for PC. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't really hit me, so I'm like, I don't give a shit. I, I don't need to own Final Fantasy Seven ever. And, you know, I ended up buying it for PC, and... It was good because it smoothed out the graphics if you had an NVIDIA card, uh, yep. but, the, but the music was all wrong. Like, it was MIDI, it so was it didn't MIDI, sound yeah. right. And so yeah. I was like, I, and then the, the, the video was all grainy, and I'm like, you know what? I really could use this for PlayStation. I should have it for PlayStation. And I, I never ended up getting it. I got Final Fantasy VIII, hated it, uh, and then, <laughs> you know, went through this whole period. By the way, I, I fixed the, the um, music thing. that Somebody made some hack to the Final Fantasy VII PC game where you could use... The um the PlayStation sound files that were extracted to um to Winamp hmm. to actually play the PlayStation music and it sounded so much better and it was basically like playing an enhanced version because like I said the graphics are smoothed out um and, and somewhat high res but uh, oh except for the backgrounds which looked terrible oh yeah but yeah there was this whole I think the most memorable part of owning a PlayStation was me being in college freshman year and going through this whole kind of like musical ch- not musical chairs but like um rotating series of games that I would buy and then sell and then buy and then sell <laughs> you know I I I bought Knockout Kings 2000 got sick of that cuz it wasn't that great of a boxing game and sold it back then I went and bought Bushido Blade 2 which I never really got the hang of and just sold it back and then I got Silent Hill and I couldn't finish it and so I sold it back you know it was just this whole march it like 
it was like a, like ants marching towards food. It's a whole <laughs> line of these different games that I would buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell. And then I got Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which I actually still own to this day, thank God. Um, very few games that I had in my library I still own. Very few. And it's not it was it's not a case of regret of like like the Pete thing of oh I own this and I should st- I wish I still had it. It was more of wow instead of renting games and trying them out I just bought them outright and sold them back for like half the price and that was a stupid decision. This was a waste <laughs> of a lot of money, you know. And then um, finally I think uh, the the best moments came when Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy IX came out and that was the kind of height of how I enjoyed my PlayStation. Because those, I think those are probably my favorite PlayStation 1 games ever, uh, Final Fantasy IX, and without thinking, without thinking about it, Final Fantasy IX and Chrono Cross. And I know a lot of people hate on Chrono Cross, and I know why, but I, I hate you for hating on it. Um, and that, that, that's really the first thing that I bought with my own money. I mean, I don't, yeah, it, it, this was even before I started upgrading my PC, which, which counts, which counts as a, you know, you know, if you upgraded it for gaming purposes, then, you know, it, like, if, if you're like, you know what, I'm going to go out with my money, I'm going to get a new video card, a new processor, new RAM, basically getting a new PC, then that counts. Yeah. I think I think one of our mailbag entries uh, has somebody saying my PC. Cool. Uh, but, Pete, what were you looking up, or what were you trying to remember? The, uh, the first one that you bought okay, with well, your own money, things. right? Okay, well, two things. First, I, I looked up Grand Theft Auto 3, and apparently came out in October 2001. Okay. So I was 19 years old when I became stupid. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the, the game I bought with my own, I guess, legitimate with money your own eyes would be uh, the uh, the original Xbox. Um, quick story about that because it ties into my whole being uh, being stupid about trading stuff away or whatever. All oh, right, uh, I actually originally won an, a free Xbox um, from the grand opening of uh, local land center. Uh, where I used to live, uh, that was in 2003, um, and I wound up, <clears throat> like, stuff was going on with me going to college at that point, and I, like, played the that Xbox for a while, whatever, like, uh, enjoyed it, and then I was going to need money to actually get myself back into school and get books and whatnot, and, right. uh, like, so I sold the that Xbox, assuming I was going to use the money on school-related stuff, some stuff happened where I was not able to actually go back to school. Uh-huh. And so I don't remember what I ended up using that money on, but then uh, another Xbox. Well, no, eventually, like sometime thereafter, I did eventually actually then purchase my own Xbox. So that was the first console that I actually purchased with actual money that I made from working somewhere. Right. It so, was the first thing that you. Well, I'm gonna. This is tough because what? How could I say the first game that you bought for it when you already were playing it? But. Yeah, and I I wouldn't even remember what the first game is I bought for it. I mean, be, before that, I was buying games myself for a long time. Um, just because I had the consoles like supplied from my father and stuff doesn't mean I wasn't buying my own games. Right. Um, I mean, I know I bought Final Fantasy VII on my own. I don't even know if that was the first game that I ever bought on my own. Um, but uh, yeah, for the, specifically for the Xbox, I can't remember because yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean to say that. Let's go into what the readers have to say, listeners. <laughs> the readers. Let's see. All right. So we've got a bunch of people who commented on my GameSpot blog, and this first one is from Xenomorph. Uh, he had he actually has a review on the site. I think it was for Condemned. But um, so the first home console he bought 
with his own money <laughs> was his fifth Xbox 360. <laughs> 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 My fifth Xbox 360. Long story. It works fine aside from an occasional freezing. Favorite game on it would have to like be Forza mine. Motorsport 3, which is a current contender for my favorite game in general. If only T10 would give us good old cars for DLC rather than the new preposterous-looking cars of this year. First portable console he bought for his own money was a PSP. I was very excited when I first got it. The game I bought with it was Twisted Metal Black, since it was... Lit- was it, is Black the portable one? No, um, Twisted Metal Head-On is the portable one. Okay. Was Twisted Metal head-on, since it was literally the only game my GameStop had when I picked it up, which was surprisingly fun other than the final boss. Only played that final boss speed. is fucking hard. Oh, yeah? Yes. So so you own that game, too? How, how was that game? I actually is- enjoyed it. It was a really good uh, remake of Twisted Metal, and it had Twister in it, which is my favorite Twisted Metal character, so I was all over it. And playing it um, ad, ad, ad hoc is the local multiplayer one, right? Uh, yes, yes. Whatever. Playing it local multiplayer uh, with a big group of friends is a lot of fun. Um, but uh, it doesn't have very much lasting appeal, especially as a solo player game. So, I mean, like... Now, never having played a Twisted Metal game, like, and what? not really... not really, Yeah, because car combat's not really my thing. Same here. Um, is it something that, like, for someone who doesn't really play car combat like would would get into because i'm uh, i mean i, I wouldn't I, say it must be like he brings it up and i'm like it must be like five dollars now i mean something. it's a good game but unless you're nost- i don't think if you i think if you're not nostalgic for twisted metal ah. you're just gonna be like what's the big deal this game okay. looks like shit and it kind of <laughs> controls like shit the like levels are really cramped and hard to get around and i don't know like i think it plays a lot on nostalgia factor um Twisted Metal Black, the uh, PlayStation one. Uh, well, I mean, they're all PlayStation ones, but the one I think that was specifically for PlayStation two. Um, yeah, that, Black was, was PS two. That would be if you were ever gonna try a Twisted Metal game. I mean, unless you're just gonna want to wait for the new one and try that one out uh-huh. uh, as your first Twisted Metal game, that would probably be the best one for people who have not played Twisted Metal before to try to get into. But right. yeah, uh, that, that, that that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> did you finish reading his thing about only playing Need for Speed Rivals and Luminous? No, not yet. Oh, okay. So he, I only played Need for Speed Rivals and Luminous on it down the line. Really didn't have that many games that got my attention for the time that I owned it. I'd say the latter was the most enjoyable overall. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, so I guess he doesn't own it anymore. Edu says, my first independently paid console was the Nintendo 64. Since my brother already had Mario 64 and was quite sick of it, I ended up getting Wave Race and Cruisin' USA. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cruisin' USA sucks. Pop it does. USA. But somehow, in my 11-year-old mind, it was the bomb. I was able to save up the cash from working in a school store when I was living in the U.S. My first portable following Xeno's lead was one of the LCD games. Pretty crappy by today's standards. It had a variety of Tetris clones and even racing games. Um, I couldn't think of what that would be. Uh, it must be kind of like one of those Chinatown cheap-ass ones. Probably. Um, Bose Animal says, uh, parental purchases, which is not part of this, but I'll read it anyways because he bothered to put it down. Atari 800 and the NES. Atari, Atari 800? Is that, does that exist? Yeah, it does exist. I mean, it doesn't exist anymore, but Atari 800 was an older Atari, like, computer, computer. It had a keyboard and... So oh, okay. TV and everything was built into the keyboard. Um, I used to have one. I don't know where <clears> I got it from, but <laughs> it was like one of those things where it was kind of like a Commodore where you had to kind of program your games to get it to work. 
But I don't know if anybody on this podcast remembers Commodore 64. Load, yeah. comma, uh, eight, Commodore 64 comma, one. has some of my favorite games. Like, my most nostalgic-inducing games, anyway. What was it? Load star, comma, eight, comma, one? Something like to, that. To load the games? Um... And then he says his personal purchases. Well, the question was, you know, what was your first purchase? So I'm assuming the Game Boy was his original purchase. Yeah. Because uh, then he goes on to say N64, GameCube, and Wii, which obviously. But in all honesty, though, this is what he said. For the, This is who said the PC thing. In all honesty, though, I've been first and foremost a PC gamer. The first ga- uh, game I ever purchased with my own money was not for the Game Boy, but for the PC. I believe it was a King's Quest title. Mm. It's hard to remember the stage of the game. Uh, Xbox Freak. Spelled with alternating caps. Thank you for that. <laughs> I bought an well, how fitting. I bought an original Xbox for two hundred dollars. Ah. I was very excited during my first week of playing it. I forgot what games I first bought for it though. Uh, must not have been very excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's not broken today, but my disc drive gets stuck sometimes. Favorite game for me would have to be a tie between Half Life Two. Oh, that's right. That did come out for Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Half Life Two, Busted Halo though. Two. What'd you say? I heard it was busted, though, so I'm surprised yeah, it's one of his favorites. It fucking looked busted to me uh, from from the videos that I saw. Half-Life 2, Halo 2, and Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Good choice. Uh, Mo, who was our guest on the PAX East podcast, first console I ever bought was the N64. Also happened to be the first one I never owned myself. Ever owned. I, I Oh, the first one I ever owned myself. I think I saved money up over the several birthdays and Christmases. That doesn't count, Mo! <laughs> uh, I got... Mario Kart, GoldenEye, and Smash Brothers. I think I ended up trading some magic cards to get them. Wow. <laughs> and I got NBA Courtside and Courtside 2 for consecutive Christmases later. Smash Brothers was definitely my favorite. It still works, but sadly, my family is putting it up for a garage sale. Oh. Yeah, he said Along everything with... he owns is going up on a garage sale. I was like, why don't you get him back? It's like no space. Oh, man. Along with all the other consoles I ended up inheriting buying. Well, then he should get He's that He's got money. a Sega CD and a Genesis. I was like, damn, yo. Man. If I, if buy, I it, money, buy, buy it from it. him. Buy it from the garage sale so we can give it back to him. <laughs> I would, but... I'd do that. He don't up have until, space, neither do I. Yeah, up until the Xbox and the 360, which I saved by keeping them at my apartment. I was a devout N64 player all through college. Afterwards, I ran out of people w- with whom to play. Also, some bastard at Hunter stole my GoldenEye. Ah. So if you went to Hunter and you stole his GoldenEye, then fuck you. Yeah. Uh, ben Lee, a.k.a. Zaps, which tortured us with Zaps Guitar Hero League which burned both of us out on Guitar Hero 2, but it was a good time while it lasted, mm-hmm. said, the first portable I bought with my own money was a DS Lite, while my first home console was an Xbox 360, thanks to the magic of student loans. Well then. <laughs> Jonathan Leard. Yes, consoles by illegitimate means. I love it. Yeah. Jonathan Leard, a.k.a. Jonathan L. on GameSpot, says on the Facebook page, first one I bought for myself was a Dreamcast. I remember walking home with a giant box and my new copy of Skies of Arcadia. Mm-hmm. And hoping that it didn't look too obvious and that the sky wouldn't rain hard before I got home. <laughs> a month later, Sega announced they were done making them. I still didn't regret it. Too many great games that you can get elsewhere at the time. And then Mo had a follow-up comment that I forgot to pay, so let me go get it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess the... that I'll just mention that I think the first portable that I bought... I got it if you want it. Sorry. Oh. Oh, I'm well, there too. He okay. says, Jonathan, Dreamcast actually remained a great system for many years after its discontinuation. Due to how powerful it was... When it was soft modded. Uh, what were you saying? Sorry. Oh, I was saying that the first portable that I think I bought with my own money was a uh, a Game Boy, uh, the thin one. What was it called? Pocket. Pocket, yes. Game, Game Boy, Boy in my pocket. Yeah. And then I bought the Game Boy Lite 
I really wish I had those still, because those were like really cool Game Boys. But I don't. I have the original big old fat Spanish Game Boy. <laughs> Spanish Game Boy. <laughs> the, the the first portable I bought, um, and again, I'm not I'm not counting the original yellow Game Boy because I I, ha I can't remember how much of that was my own money and how much of that was was you know saved up mm -hmm. from allowance. But um, wow, Game Boy, Game Boy. I never had a Game Boy Color. I think Game Boy Advance. When when well, you and I both got the Game Boy Advance from NCSX, yeah, right. was no 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 it was Upstate Games that was, was before that was that was before we boycotted it because they they did something stupid to you right I forget yeah I don't remember they did something stupid where they they had it and then they shipped it to someone else and then they charged you or some some crazy shit like that and then we started getting stuff from NCSX and I never actually got anything from NCSX except for one like cable or something but um <laughs> yeah it was the Japanese Game Boy Advance and you and I played uh. F Mario, F Zero. Oh, well, on you it. have Mario. I think did I get F Zero and you got Mario? Or did we both get F Zero and you? Just I think we Mario. both got F Zero. Yeah. Um, and then you had like all this shit. You had like Konami, Konami Crazy Racers, and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then when the GBA final, how long was the lag time between the Japanese launch and the American launch of the GBA? Who knows? Let's check Wikipedia. Do you remember it all? Uh, I'm gonna check it. Okay, because because I remember buying a whole shitload of launch games after we bought it, and I'm like, it can't have been that long, because I remember, you know, quite soon after owning a Game Boy Advance, I had many more games because of the American launch. Because I had, I had Super Dodgeball, which I regret selling back. It came out mm. March 21st, 2001 in North America on, oh, I'm sorry, no, March 21st, 2001 in Japan, and, then and April June, in America. No, June 11th. Oh, June. 11th. So oh, it okay. was, uh, March, April, May. You know, one of the, uh, <laughs> one of the, one of the first games not the first, but like within kind of like the early the early period of the GBA, the first couple of months, one of the first games I got was Zelda Oracle of Ages, which wasn't a Game Boy Advance game. <laughs> but I considered it a Game Boy Advance purchase. And I think that might have been lost in the in the great hotel loss of 2005. I'm not Aww. sure. Yeah, I, I um, kind of still have in the, in the great In the great... On the computer? Yeah, remember? I, I have a oh. Game Boy copier. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> The great uh, hotel maid stole it from me without reporting it back to Lost and Found loss of 2005. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've since alleviated that. When, whenever I accidentally leave something back, I remember exactly where I leave it. So I'm just like, I call the hotel up. I'm like, this is where I left it. I know it's there, so please have it for me. And if it's not there, then I know you guys stole it. Like, I don't say that to them, but I'm like, look, I know where it is. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was the first uh, GB. And, and you you were on, on that Mega Man EXE shit. And I was just kind of like, this game looks stupid. And then I bought three, and I'm like, this game is actually kind of cool. <laughs> And then it, I got that got that got lost. So, um, the GBA was was one of those systems. Uh, we should do a let's rebooting on that. But I remember the launch for that actually like that and the Dreamcast being the only actually really good launches that I was that I took part in because mm. I didn't take part in the PlayStation launch. I never played Super Mario sixty four until like I owned my thirty dollar and sixty four, which was like five years later. Um, the 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 GameCube launch. I, I honestly it wasn't very good for me like it was bad but like I, I didn't like Rogue Leader was a good game but it wasn't one of those just like oh my god I'm so glad I own this system now because of Rogue Leader true um and, and Tony Hawk was was just on every system so it wasn't really special you know um PlayStation had a shitty launch Xbox had Halo and that was about it and I don't like Halo uh Xbox 360 I didn't own it at launch but the games that I first got for it were like Cameo, and I immediately sold that back after like two weeks of like not really liking it. And besides, like the big launch game was Perfect Dark Zero. No thanks. Both of those um, games were actually fun. 
I don't like Perfect Dark Zero, and I don't like Cameo. Like, they're not fun to me. Um, let me see. Uh, Pete, you typed something in here. Nothing important. You, you never owned or used... No, no, no. I, I think it's worth contributing. Um, I was so just you, never, you never owned a Game Boy Advance. Yes, because if we were ever do a Let's Rebooting, I never actually owned the, the original oh, Game Boy Advance. Oh, that's good to know. You could you could do like carnival music in the background while we talk about it. Then. <laughs> just like get get out like a like an accordion or something and, and an organ and just start playing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I have so many fond memories of the of the Game Boy Advance, and I, I guess since we're not going to do a let's rebooting, I'll have to keep them in. But um, let's see what what was the next. We do one? a generic Game Boy history of Game Boy rebooting. We could do that. We could definitely do that. Because um, then you you own the original Game Boys, then, huh? Yeah, an original Pea Soup Game Boy and eventually, eventually the Game Boy Advance SP. But anyway, let's go back to the topic. No, I'm hand. scrolling down there, yeah. Um, McDove says, Much like Maurice, my first console bought with hard-earned cash was the N64. The first game of purchase being Diddy Kong Racing. DKR did also produce some fond memories. It created some of the fiercest sibling rivalry our host... Our host. Our household ever witnessed as I originally held all the track records on that game. Then my sister thought it was wise to kick my ass on every track, which she did really well, I might add. So I set about reclaiming my rightful place as fastest on DKR, who went back and forth on this fierce battle for three years. Wow. This should come out on Xbox Live so they can do it again. It was much better. It was a much better outlet for, for a rivalry than using each other as punching bags. Also, the last game I purchased for it was a very memorable, but I'm just thinking about how Shane Bettenhausen says that he dragon punched his sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Also, the last game I purchased for it was very memorable, but for very different reasons. I was an innocent as a young teenager. I was as innocent as a young teenager could be. But when Conquer's Bad Fur Day hit that shelf, well, goodbye innocence. Mind you, that game was an awesome, awesome technical achievement. I really liked the multiplayer in that too. Al, you and I and Rob, you, me, and Rob played a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Well, you and me, and then Rob once he came over, we played that. Right. Um, awesome technical achievement on that console. It was a great swan song for the N64, in my opinion. The console itself still works on the magic of blowing this cartridging, a.k.a. blowing into the cartridge to get rid of dust technique, and firmly, I'm assuming he means slamming, firmly placing said cartridge into the console. It is now more commonly used by my littler sibling these days. As far as favorite ever game on the X64, that would have to be Majora's Mask. The explanation as to why is way too lengthy, even over a period of time, is way too lengthy as is becoming this, res as is becoming this response, so I shall stop now. I forgot to say whether my PlayStation still works and it still does like without any hitch. Yeah, my I, PlayStation works just fine too. I think. I, I think it's because it was a it was a late generation one, so it was past the point of having to put it upside down. Yeah, because my uncle's. I don't even know if he still has it. Master Mike. His, his you had to turn it upside down to get to work. Uncle Ben. No, no, this is Mike. Oh, okay. Uh, and hey, hey, Pete. Dez says via Facebook. First system I ever bought myself was the original Xbox. Before that, I rocked the NES for 17 years. Which is fun and always interesting to see what you could find at flea markets for 3 for $5 at game stalls. I never managed to get Tetris, though. They never had it. Sad. Wow, oh. I thought that would be a, a, a common cartridge. Mm -hmm. I think, Pete, for her birthday, you should get her a, car a copy of Tetris, then. I don't or think NES. she still has an NES, or if she does, it's not here. The whole point is to own the cartridge. Right. And turn it into a copy. I'll try to find her the DS version. One the of DS, my friend, the DS version what? of Tetris is great. Oh, yeah, yeah it but is. it's not as romantic as the original NES. Yeah, because <laughs> she says that she never managed to get it. And yeah, it that's sad. the whole point. That's, yeah. Also, Symbolic. it would probably yeah. Also, for your own, um, I'm being followed around by debt's sake. The Tetris for DS is probably like ninety dollars or something now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Like th- for some reason, it was rare. I don't. I don't know how. Um, Unless but, I can stumble across some idiot who traded into a GameStop. Oh, this is true. Yeah. Um, on the Xbox, I was crazy into Fable before my game disc revealed a scratch in the end of the final battle. <sighs> Fable is at. Fable is actually why I got an Xbox. I was tired of losing games by playing on other people's consoles. I really love playing Battlefront 2 and the Dark Alliance games as well, which I had also played on other systems and lost games. Then I was starting to bemoan the fact that I couldn't find any new games for my Xbox thanks to the 360, which came out a few months before I got mine. And then I met Pete, and we now have all three consoles and I have a DS Lite. Yay. What a lucky fella. Aw. Um, yeah, so that's it from the responses. Um... Does anybody else have any any just remarks on their first console? Um, first console they bought with their own money. I um, enjoyed Xbox Live. <laughs> My how, how has that evolved? Because I never was part of the original Xbox Live experience. Well, I mean, the original Xbox Live experience for me, as far as I remember, return like the first Xbox Live game I played was Return to Castle Wolfenstein, and all I remember is. Uh, I can't remember the exact actual interface for like signing up, but I remember picking a username or whatever, and uh, then just basically going straight into the game. And that's basically what Xbox Live was at that point. You just signed in uh, during you went into the game and played the game. There wasn't you know a dashboard or anything originally. Really? Yeah. As far as I remember, I don't remember any like I didn't remember anything keeping me from jumping right into the game and playing. Um, and I remember playing with Charlie and stuff and. Uh, us being like, oh, we're playing together on a console, ha ha ha. Um, I thought I thought that there was something significant, at least about it, that that made it worth paying the fifty dollars for, because like like a lot of people who played both PlayStation and Xbox online were like, the PlayStation Two is gimped online. Like I, would I think play just it on Xbox. the infrastructure was not good for the PlayStation Two or whatever. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know because I never really put the play, oh. took the PlayStation Two online, but I mean. Even as far as Halo 2, I don't think I don't remember there being any kind of dashboard stuff for Xbox Live. It was just you just started up the game and played the fucking game online. Um, not that I'm against all the dashboard stuff now and all the extra stuff, especially you know Netflix being incredible. Um, but it was literally just a get into the game and get playing type. So of it was thing. it was just like any other. Th- Maybe it was the fact that you get you could have a friends list. Yeah, but the friends list wasn't even accessible outside, as far as I know. As far, as far as I remember, I'd have to actually oh. research to remember, but I don't, I don't remember doing anything outside of actual games on the original Xbox that, you know, any Xbox Live stuff outside of the games. Right, because so, I would hope that they still had the thing where you could, like, invite friends to play a game and then it starts, but if that's, like, a, a 360-only edition, like, I'm, I'm actually surprised. I thought that was there the whole time. Man, I can't remember now. Um, and unfortunately, there's no way for anybody to find out. Right. Except for research, you can't like actually go on to regular Xbox Live anymore. Maybe you could go on to YouTube and see a demo of it. But I think for me, uh, for my for the for my you know PlayStation, um, I never got it modded, so I ended up getting some bootleg. Um, what's it called? Uh, swapping disc swapper, so that I could play import games. And like it would always scare me because Al, like to, in order to play Japanese, no, in order to play American games on your Dreamcast, you had the motor, right? Uh yeah, the do the the where I'm going to switch where. <laughs> the what? <laughs> that was the uh that was the sounds that the uh disc eye the laser eye made and went vroom, vroom, and then you'd switch the Japanese for the American disc and then it would go vroom, and then it would work. If it didn't work it wouldn't make that last switch. It wouldn't oh. make that last eye movement. So I called it the where where switch where where switch where technique. 
<laughs> but yeah, um, like it would. You're like, I'm just worried about my motor, you know, dying. And I always got scared oh, that when yeah, I put it. Yeah, because you used to always, like stop it. Yeah, because for the PlayStation thing, like what you do is you put in the disc, and then the the disc sends a signal to the to the console to stop it, and it was just going yeah, and like, <gasps> and then I put in the game. And I'd press start, and I'm like, please start up again, please start up again, please start up again, please start up again, please. And it would go slowly, like, you know what I wonder? I wonder what do you if wonder? that contributed to my Dreamcast failing. I don't remember exactly what happened. I think, no, the disc still spun. I think the eye was broken when I went to play it at, um, I went to play Virtual On, and then I had, like, one awesome match of Virtual On or Toro Tangram, and then it just didn't work anymore. I had to switch the drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, don't, I wonder if that contributed to it. I'm sure it did. I mean, because it wasn't designed to be like start and stop like that, you know. Like definitely, it should slowly, like like gradually slow down, and kind of like when you when you're, when you're using a cassette tape player, uh-huh. and you instead of like instead of um hitting stop, rewind, stop, fast forward, like if you hit play right, and you hit fast forward or rewind, like that's bad for it. Like you have to hit stop first mm. or something. I don't know. What, what are cassette tapes? <laughs> Fucking back in the day. Because uh, we're in the digital age. Oh, yeah. What are cassette tapes? I've never heard of that thing before. But you know what I'm doing right now? Uh, As I'm uh, listening uh, to you guys? Uh, 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 Not that. I'm just reading, like, Wikipedias on old, old consoles. Like, uh-huh. I was looking at cause of the Game Boy Advance thing. And I noticed that there was a best-selling, uh, you know, like, best-selling game of whatever console. So I started looking back and... Have you ever had this feeling? I don't know. I, just, I have this feeling, but I could just be the weirdo. Looking at foreign versions of a console that you own, like the Super Nintendo versus the Super Famicom, and the Nintendo versus the Famicom, um, would you ever, or were you ever in a situation where you would pine for the other one just because it looked different? It just felt like it looked cooler than the one that you have? I would. That's a good question. I, always, because I always thought that the Sega designs, except for the Dreamcast, um, were much cooler than its Nintendo counterparts. I'm not even talking about cross brand. I'm talking about same product, but between Japan. And oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. So um, like the Famicom versus the NES and the Super. I'm sorry. Famicom I totally misheard. NES. Um, no, because I had never. See, like, it wasn't until the internet started becoming, you know, uh, popularized, th- internet access was more available, that I started, like, seeing what the shit in Japan looked like. Mm-hmm. Like, for real. Like, like there would be some pictures in magazines of what a uh, Super Famicom would look like, but I never really saw it clearly. Um, and I, I think by the time that, like, I, I was like, more exposed to that, I was ki- I was already kind of in my groove of, like, just caring about the games and not really... Uh, not, not really. Like, I, I guess it was just not, <laughs> mm. not. You know, because it was, know, it I was see. more, it was more cross brand than cross country. Cross country, yeah. Uh, cross continental. I still have that feeling now. Like I'm looking at the the Famicom and I'm looking at the Nintendo. I'm like, damn man, that Famicom looks so cool. I wish we had that. And then I'm looking at the Super Famicom. I'm like the color is fucking awesome. Yeah, that two-tone purple shit. What's up with Nintendo and fucking purple? I don't know. <laughs> I, I actually did play a Famicom at a family friend's house, um, so I knew what that looked like, actually, um, now that I think about it. And I, I didn't like it. Mm. Not not the system, not, not playing the, it, but just what look it looked like. It. I don't really like it, yeah. it it It's like... 
it, it looked kind of like a, a I'm not going to use that word because that's bad, but I, I was going to say, it, it looks like a a challenged Transformer. <laughs> it was all blocky and everything, and you put the controllers on the sides all neat and shit, and it just looked weird. Um, <laughs> I have an update on the Xbox Live thing. Yeah, because I've been watching a, quietly watching a YouTube video. Yeah, me too. Are you watching Hammond Rocks's video? Yeah. So am I. So, hey. Yeah, the kid can't fucking hold the camera straight. I know. Shaking I'm all like over getting the place. seasick. Um, but yeah, apparently there was a a very generic or like a like basic dashboard where like there were friends, voice friends, chat, voice chat management type yeah. of stuff. So yeah, like uh, but I guess and, yeah, and you could get you get invitations and stuff too. Right, but it was like hit like in a way it was kind of like you know hidden, not hidden, but like. It was unobtrusive. It like if you started with a game in the console, it went right. It would to already the game. connect online. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's why you never really paid much attention to the dashboard. Whereas you know now, obviously, right. you go right to the dashboard. Um, so that's probably why I just didn't remember it because it wasn't used for much except for like the account management and maybe adding friends. Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of, once in a while, wish for the days where you start up like like you were saying, you start up a console and it's the game. Like even the DS, you have to go through. Like you can set it to auto start, I think. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't because they have to give you the option to get into the menu, right? Well, you you can set it to auto boot the game though. Uh, there's I don't know how you get. Oh yeah, what you do is I think you just uh you if you don't have a game in it goes to the It'll menu go, oh, okay. and then you can reset it to just go back to menu. But you can okay. set it to auto boot to the game. You can technically set the Xbox to still auto boot to the game and all that and stuff. Oh, that's but a good point. I actually. Do prefer going to a dashboard first because I like starting up my console and I might not be ready to play right at that minute. Like I'll start up my console, maybe go get a drink or something. So like going to a dashboard actually isn't that big a problem for me or like an annoyance. Oh, it's not a problem. Uh, uh, there's nothing wrong. With it. I'm just saying like it's it's kind of a nostalgia thing where it's just like remember when all you had to do was stick in a cartridge, pr press on, and you were in it. No, yeah. no loading times would help too. <laughs> you know, but um, <laughs> uh, excuse me. Okay, so yeah, I think uh. I think that's uh, unless anybody else has any comments. I think we can move on to our other topic. I yeah, say let's move on. Is that the PC okay. Engine looks so fucking cool and it looks so much PC better than, Engine. than the Turbo, the Turbo Graphics. Graphics. PC Engine is just a little box, a little tiny box with a oh yeah, that's with right, a card with the hook card. Why couldn't the Turbo Graphics be like that? Because we gotta have stuff that looks cool. Look at look like a spaceship. <laughs> <Fuck. laughs> that should have been cheaper too. Anyway. Yeah, um, I'm done. I'm just like I said. I'm just looking through the the consoles. Yeah, moving on. We'll be right back. We are here at our main topic, and this is something that we've been pushing forward and forward, and not not pushing forward, pushing back, 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 and back, like for like 29 episodes. But I wanted to talk about the different ways in which uh, people tell stories in story-based games, um, and, and this came about because um, I had just finished God of War 3, Pete had had finished Heavy Rain, and Al was in the midst of playing Final Fantasy 13, and me having finished Heavy Rain as well, I think. Um, 
uh, there's some more insight into this discussion. But Al, I mean, because you haven't played God of War three, but um, you played the previous God of Wars, so I mean, I think that's that that's that's kind of a good um, good launching pad for that. So I, I I guess I'll start off by trying attempting to dissect the ways in which these three games tell story differently and you guys can stop if you have a different thought stop me if you have a different thought because I'm sure that I'll, I'll, I'll muck up something but I feel like Heavy Rain to me is a game in which the story kind of kind of happens almost independently of what you do and you have to kind of you have to kind of, of follow it and like uh, be controlled by it I think it's something that I mentioned in my review of it is that it, it at times it's almost like it's it, it's more in control of what you're doing and, and in control of you than you're controlling it, and the exact opposite is kind of true of God of War, where um, a lot of it seems to be happening kind of in the midst of the game, not quite to the extent that Half Life does, and maybe I should have included that in this discussion, but in the sense of like you know while the story is completely linear and it's going to do what it's going to do, nothing. You know, it, it doesn't move on, and it doesn't really. There's no consequence until you take an action, right? You're completely in control of what's happening uh, on the screen, not with decisions, but just in moving it forward. And with Final Fantasy 13, or any other Final Fantasy for that matter, well, no, actually, no, specifically 13, because it's been so controversial about how it's linear and everything. Uh, and Al, I'm gonna need your help on this since you're 36 hours in. Um, but it, it just seems to me. Like just to start from regular Final Fantasy kind of uh, trappings is it's very much gameplay, gameplay, stop and read. Gameplay, gameplay, stop and read. Gameplay, gameplay, like very linear, very kind of controlled. Like here's a cinematic, sit down for about five minutes and watch this or read this dialogue or whatever. Um, and that's only slightly distinct from God of War, I think only in the length of time that you're kind of sitting there on your ass. Um, but it feels different enough to me. Is there anything specifically about 13 that separates it from the other games? And I think there is, and that's why I brought this up, um, in the way that it kind of focuses on its story and kind of disseminates it to you and, and makes the game linear for it. Uh, you're referring to the difference between that and other Final Fantasies? Uh, this and other, other Final that we're talking about? All of them. This and the other Final Fantasies as well as the other two games because I feel like... I feel like the other Final Fantasies, for the most part, would fall under the God of War category, where like it's a linear, linearly driven story that mm -hmm. you would stop gameplay to just consume. Granted, you know the the stoppage of play is longer in a Final Fantasy, mm -hmm. but you're still kind of like, all right, here's the game, I'm playing it, and I'm doing what I'm going to do, and then, okay, I'm stopping with the story. Whereas Final Fantasy XIII, which is, like, from all the stuff that I've read about its linearity, is literally like, we are pushing you down this linear path, down a corridor, and you have to play it this way because we are really shoving the story down your throat. Well, until you get violent. to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I have to differentiate it somehow. I know. Until you get to that part that Hub World where it opens up, of course. But you know what I mean? Like, So do you have any insight on that specifically? Well, I would have well. to say that in comparison to other Final Fantasies, this is the first Final Fantasy that is completely voice. Uh, there is no text, uh, at dialogue all? at all in this game. Okay. Uh, and that sets it off to be completely different from other Final Fantasy games because... Are there subtitles that you can turn on? You can turn no? on subtitles, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But the thing is, there's no casual talking to like townspeople... I mean, there, there's, like, a couple of scenes where you can talk to people standing around and then they say, like, random shit. Uh, or they actually say something and their conversation is broken up where you could leave in the middle of it. But 
oh, okay. keep pressing the X button to proceed further and further with what they're saying. And then there's a, a final thing that they say, and then it closes it. But there is no, like, you know, oh, you walk up to somebody like, you know, I was just in the market today, and I was very pissed off that they weren't selling fish. You know, like how they usually do like, <laughs> one of those stupid, and you, like, and you can't randomly go into someone's house because there are right. no houses. And there's no, did you know, yes, no. You know, none right. of that. Right. If if anybody remembers, did you know? Yes, no. Uh, I think that was from, uh, I think it was from a an old working designs game or a, a dragon. No, it wasn't from Dragon Quest. But that was really funny that they would just say, "Did you know?" And, and you you'd have be to like, say, yes, "Did no, I know what?" Just... Like, well, what? <laughs> anyway, like I I I don't know what I don't know. Um, the closest game that you can compare Final Fantasy Thirteen to uh, in because it's so unlike all the other games, it's Final Fantasy X. Right. In terms of how the story is presented. It is, essentially is, you run, uh, you know, you proceed a bit in the world, and then you stop and you get a cutscene. Mm-hmm. It happens very, very, very frequently in the beginning of the game. But as you proceed further and further into the game, those types of scenes are spaced out even more. Um... But that's how the story is delivered to you, where you're running down a corridor or whatever, and you get story. Uh, you go to a destination on your map, and you get story. Um, now, at the point of the game where I'm at, it's really just a bunch of gameplay, and there is there is a story kind of at the end of certain segments because that's what's supposed to happen. Like you, you basically open up a different area, and by the for the by the sake of opening up the area, you get a cutscene, and that cutscene basically shows you going to the next area, um, and it shows certain things that happen as a result of you getting to the next area. Blah blah blah. Is there chatter? There's chatter uh, between your your crew. Your party like as your as your like story based chatter as you're progressing through a dungeon no. or what whatever they call it. It's not story based. It's basically like, oh, let me run ahead, and then you'll oh, see, I see one okay. of them run ahead, or okay. they'll go, wow, this place is really beautiful, or something like that. Uh, it's just all like ambient stuff. Like basically, your party members just talking to, talking generally, right? But there isn't anything I'm, story related. Because I'm really trying to discern the difference, and I'm I'm seeing it now between the God of War type of storytelling and this is where you know God of War is is really in the action, but it's not to the level of Half Life, so it's kind of in between that. You know what I mean? Um, mm. but yeah, like heavy rain feels like our cutscene that you are playing through. Mm. You know, even even kind of in the um in the the segments where you're walking around and stuff, it's like everything kind of has a a, a purpose of 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 sucking you into the story and in the world. And it's not necessarily just the story, but just understanding what the character is. Because uh, okay, so the story is there is a serial killer and you have to find him, mm-hmm. right? But the 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 appreciating the story means appreciating the characters and and, and I'm I'm not going to spoil anything but like the first thing that you do is you wake up and you take a shower mm-hmm. and you, you brush your teeth regular life just regular life yeah it it just you know th- there's nothing interesting about it but it kind of is you know what I mean and like I, I don't know I guess Pete you having uh, you being the one who who played this first I mean what what are your thoughts on this type of 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 mechanic to convey a story because like I said it's not really story but it's it, it, it lends so much to the story. Um, take a leak. Uh, no, <laughs> I want to. No, 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 no. I'm saying he takes a leak. Oh, okay. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you said I was taking a leak. No, 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 um, no, no. 
I want to actually like just give my own differentiation differentiation oh, sure. between the three, and actually yeah. want to throw one a fourth one in there real quick. Sure, absolutely. Um, so to me, based on like the little bit I played of Final Fantasy thirteen, you know, I've only ever played the first God of War, but I know about God of Wars two and three, and having fully played Heavy Rain, I see. For me personally, it seems like Final Fantasy thirteen wants to tell its story, and your your action and gameplay kind of gets in the way of it wanting to tell its story because uh-huh. you're like you're screwing up the story's pacing by having to actually play some of the game. Um, God of War seems to like the story and action seems to be like synonymous, like go together very well. Like um, you know, even though you're stopping some of the story, you're still traversing through like that world in a way that in, to me seems to mesh well with the story, um, at least uh-huh. from the first game. Um, and I feel like from what I know, the second and third, that kind of that trend continues. And then Heavy Rain, um, it's it's got its pacing, it's got its story, and it's going to go along that linear track no matter what you do. Right. So you can't affect the pacing, but you can, you can ultimately affect the, affect the story. Yeah. Right. I wanted to throw in, like, you you can affect the outcome for characters, but you can't really fully affect the characters the themselves. Um, right. Those characters are who they are, and they're going to be that way. Uh, I wanted to throw Dragon Age into this because Dragon Age is a game where you can, like, through your actions and decisions, literally affect the characters themselves and change sort of the way they think or feel or just ultimately have them completely leave, you know? Um, so I think that kind of tells its story in a different way, too. Um Personally, my favorite out of these games, I really did like the way Heavy Rain told its story. If we're just talking about story, mm-hmm. I like that Heavy Rain just went and told its story without interruption. Um, but I do like that as if we're talking about wanting to be a video game and like actually have interaction. This is why I said before that I liked Indigo Prophecy better, even mm-hmm. though its story was not as um, probably well fleshed out or well like written as Heavy Rain's. The fact that you got to play more of it uh, made it a better video game, in my it, opinion. It felt more like a Dragon Age or an a, a, a what's another thing that you can affect a Mass Effect sort of in that at least from what I remember playing, like your choices really did have much drast- much more drastically different consequences. Is that correct? Yeah. Or, I or mean, am I just remembering it wrong? Like I thought I thought you I thought you did not. <laughs> it, that was a game that, again, like Heavy Rain, kind of had its outcome that it was going to get to no matter what. Right. Um, you could you could change it like in minor ways. Uh, like the outcomes of Heavy Rain are much more drastic based on what you do throughout the game. But uh, Indigo Prophecy was more of a linear linear story. But the fact that you just felt like you were controlling more uh, made it feel like. I don't know. It just it made it feel like made me feel more invested in the game itself right. than Heavy Rain did. Where Heavy Rain, I I was in Heavy awe. Rain does it through like a lot of manipulation as opposed yeah, to like, letting you fuck around. I mean, playing through the Heavy Rain once, I was in awe of like the what they had done like throughout this game, like the like the way this game was created and stuff in terms of you know the the evolution of the uh, the time sensitive you know the the mini what, what the fuck the time two quick time events yeah quick time events yes um and just the the character interactions and the overall storytelling was it was very uh top par for me but just like i said in terms of a video game it's not playing through the second time i'm noticing that it's not as fun whereas i could play through indigo prophecy again and have a lot of fun mm-hmm. um so <clears throat> while i like to say that i'm 
you know, a heavily story driven person, I guess when it comes to video games, sometimes heavily story driven can be bad because like even with Final Fantasy 13, uh, heavily story driven game. But the fact that the action seemed do- your your gameplay seems so disjointed, for, at least for what I've played. Uh, when you get into your gameplay segments, it seems so disjointed from the storytelling portion that, like, I wasn't finding it fun until I, like, like right up to the point where I got to where things, like, I don't know, I felt like things had started to pick up um, and more gameplay options were opening up and things like that. That, like, that's why I kind of, at where I left, left off of Final Fantasy thirteen, I was actually at the point, finally, where I was eager to play more, where if I had stopped at any point before then... Before that. I would have not had any interest in playing anymore. And then God of War is just, like I said, it is just because it's not my type of game. I'm not really into the, you know, the character action games, but uh, Lincoln Force. Actually, that's not true. I am into character action games because if you consider uh, Uncharted two a character action game, uh, not really. You don't consider it. I mean, no. I mean, I mean, I think character action is just kind of like a, a a new fancy label to to put on like brawler action button mashy type games with that starry character. Okay, you know well, if I mean? we're going with that kind of description, then... Uncharted yeah. seems more like a shooter adventure. Okay. Is what uh, I would... You know what I mean? Because it's, it's kind of it's like Gears of War-ish. Ish. Yeah. Not Gears of War, just ish. Well, specifically, anyway, in God of War's case, like, despite me not really liking the, uh, the, the combat stuff, I really enjoyed God of War's story, and I, like... I, in a way, personally suffered through the gameplay, which was actually, I mean, for people that are into it, is actually good gameplay uh, just to gather up the story. And like I said, for me, it felt like, you know, the gameplay was part of the story. You know, something big that I left off here besides Half-Life is Metroid, at least Metroid Prime. Um, there, there's, there's a way that Metroid Prime and Half-Life kind of disseminate the information to you, which is very organic um, Metroid Prime, unfortunately, has to do it because of the fact that there are no other people around. And then when Metroid Prime Three came around, it just felt like, really, do I have to talk to these people now? This is really stupid. You know, I, I didn't, I actually didn't really care for the voiceover and all that stuff in Metroid Prime Three. But uh, just the general idea of, and I know there's a lot of talking and acting in Half Life, but what I mean is like. Metroid Prime, you'd find shit and you'd have to scan it to, to put in your database, but as you're scanning, you, you would read and learn about what was happening, and in Half-Life, even something like Left 4 Dead, which doesn't have a story per se, but just the way that it gives you the information, like, they have things written on walls, you know, that say, like, you'll never get out of here, or I heard it takes X amount of days for the virus to take effect, or something like that, you know, little things that you see in the environment that tells you about things, rather than it being like, here's a cutscene, and now you're going to listen and murder, and it's bad lip-syncing and stuff. You know, it's, it's like all in there. Um, which is not to say that Half-Life didn't have any cutscenes, but they, they... And a lot of people make a huge deal about never taking you out of Gordon's head for a cutscene, which I personally like a lot, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as a lot of people are making it, because in spirit, it is still a cutscene. It is still you're stopping. You can jump around. Yeah, I think really, we've talked about that's that before. Even how we, yeah, how we like would fuck around during those cutscenes because there's just nothing else to really do. You're just like you're, you're you are listening to the disembodied voices in a way, but you're kind yeah. of just running around the room, seeing what you can fuck around with. Could you imagine doing that in Quake when the when like the jumping sound in Quake would would uh would play whenever you jumped? <laughs> Gordon Freeman. I'm so glad you're. Oh, Lamar, what are you doing? 
But yeah, so I, I think um, I I would, and that's a big miss for me to not have included that because I think that is probably my favorite method for disseminating a story and the information. I but I will. Uh, so go ahead. I was just gonna say based on like that stuff, like if we're talking specifically like Half Life Two type of style and like Left 4 Dead, like I think Portal was the ultimate culmination of you know that specific type of storytelling. Oh right, because it was just all about the characters. Uh, the character, yeah, just, like you're just basically talking to you. You're permanently in the story as you're playing through the game because the character is constantly talking right. to you. And because you're alone, there's no cutscene to stop and talk. Right. Know? And they also had the writings on the wall, which, like, ba- in the world of Portal, I felt more inclined to to stop for a moment just and read and those. Yeah. Whereas in Left 4 Dead, it's like, oh fuck, zombies. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, stuff like in the safe rooms, you'd have like you know, even those, in the those safe notes. rooms, it's like. I don't bother reading the walls. I'm looking out the grate trying to pick off any zombies that are right outside. Oh, eh. But yeah, I uh, I think from a pacing perspective, though, I I really like what Heavy Rain did, and that's why I think that it's something that needs to be explored more. Like I said, I don't think that all games should be like this. I don't think this is the way that video games should be advancing. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure that there's some people out there who, who I wouldn't blame for, for thinking this because of, you know, what it does, but I, I feel like there's some people out there who would be like, this is direction. This is the direction we need to go in. This is the type of storytelling we need to have. And I'm like, no, it is not. But it is one of many different avenues that need to be nurtured and developed because it. Something that I always liked about God of War was the pacing, right? It, it's it's breakneck action. They give you a little lull, little puzzle, little story, and then you go more. And then Heavy Rain just does it all in one, just kind of globule, just one clump. It, it, like I said, it's like you're playing through a a seven hour cutscene. You're always involved in it, whether it's a lot or a little. Like, it, it and it and it kind of brings strings you along. Um, it, it kind of like it's kind of taking the same discipline that Half Life and Metroid do, but the exact opposite approach. Where Half Life and Metroid, you're fully in control of everything, and things kind of move at your pace, even though. Half Life is one of the biggest things about Half Life is also how it's paced, how its action is paced. But you know, you you move along, you dictate when you move along with it, you know. But it's still kind of in that same category of everything kind of happens in your experience. We never take you out of it, or we don't differentiate what you're doing. It all feels part of the same thing. Even when Jaden is um, is this going to be a spoiler, Pete? Uh, his uh, his method of investigation. You, you mean the Ari? Yeah. No, because we've talked about it before. Okay, so so Al, just to give you some background, like the FBI. Oh, oh, I mean, you, it's in the you demo. Know, it's in the demo, yeah. But like, it goes further than what what you see in the demo, though. Okay. With a little like like you get to like research things that you pick up like later, and you get to look at, um, like the blood samples that you that that you investigated earlier, and and f- kind of flip through screens to kind of see what uh what clues you can find. That's basically it. But, okay. um. Bottom line, what I'm saying is that you know, even when he's stopping to to look through the thing, it, it's all like, well, even that part's dictated towards you, like when you can and can't use it, right? Um, and like it, it's it's, but at the same time, it's like you know that you're a part of it, and you're you're going through it by yourself. You're 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 the one who's dictating what you're looking at and what clues you're trying to pick out of the file cabinet, which I thought was a really cool effect, by the way. Um, and it it just kind of it it kind of makes it one whole thing. And I kind of wish that it would that this type of storytelling or dissemination of information would 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 try to make its way through to other genres, like a God of War, um, 
maybe maybe even something where there's a little more chatter while you are battling the gods that you are trying to kill. Um, because what I always experienced was hit, 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 square, square, triangle, 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 blood, 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 fall down, five-second cutscene of speech. Hit, 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 blood, 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 you know, combat, combat. <laughs> blood, blood, blood. Ten seconds of speech, you know, instead of them kind of See, bantering back and forth. And, like, maybe maybe even to add to the effect, like, like Kratos will be yelling something at Zeus while he is bashing the shit out of him, and then Zeus headbutts him, and he stops saying what he was saying. You know what? I feel, I feel like, uh, um, what the hell's name? Heavenly Sword was kind of like the, like, evolution in storytelling of God of War's style, where, like, it really did kind of, like, have chatter-type stuff going on while really? you were, that... like, going through things. And, like, it felt like it really was consistently telling you a story while you were going through the action. Right. I mean, I think I think what what I'm asking for is definitely hard, really hard to do while keeping the player in control of the game. Because, like I said, like, uh, Kratos getting headbutted and having his speech interrupted, I mean, I think that would be cool, but at the same time, it's like, well, then they don't get to tell their story. So then how do you fix that, you know? Um, and, and I certainly... I am certainly hoping that it doesn't go in the direction of Final Fantasy XIII. If what you know, if if I end up feeling the same way that you do with the story of, we want to tell the story, but we we have to let you play this game too. God damn it! Here's some stuff. Play it. You know, like if that's if, uh, and I'm saying that only if I end up feeling that way. Uh, that is a sensation that I do not want. Al, did you feel like that when you first started playing Final Fantasy XIII? Feel like what? Like that it was just like that that they were forcing these like like. They're not forcing, but they were giving you these, like, not really important gameplay elements and just, like, you know, like, kind of rushing you through the gameplay stuff to get back to telling their story. Mm, no. I, you, I, I mean, guess I didn't feel like that because I was absorbed in the story, which I'm probably one of the only people who were. <laughs> I was trying I, to, like, I, figure I, out I what the hell it. all the hoopla was about in the game. Like, you know, it's pretty much starts you in a, a, a moment of, like, panic. So yeah. while you're trying to get used to how the game is played, you're faced with all these different story elements of panic, panic breaking out. I don't think you're one of the only people to well, feel I'm that way about being sarcastic. About it. Oh, okay, but like, it, like, it's a divisive game. But it's it's literally like it feels like it's fifty fifty. Like half the people absolutely love it, so there are a lot of people who love it and a lot of people who hate it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like it's kind of eh, but there's a small pocket of people who like it. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, personally, I feel like if I ever get around to playing it again, like I'll end up being the the that camp that ends up, you know, turning after the halfway point or whatever. Like, because there's a lot of people out there who say, you know, just stick with it and you will eventually come out loving it. And I, like I said, I was starting to enjoy it a lot more than I did when I had first started. So, right, it makes me it makes me want to finish ten and then finish twelve so I can get to it. Damn it. <laughs> um. But is it, are there any other archetypes that we're kind of missing? I'm not counting no story because that's obviously no story, <laughs> like I, no Tetris. You brought up Mass Effect, which you know, like while mm, it, right, its right. story might be kind of cliched and whatever, its dialogue uh, implications were kind of important. <laughs> right. Is it, now ha, not having played through Mass Effect, um, is the way that the story is affected? Um, how to put this? Is it kind of like more on the side of, I don't want to say heavy rain because that's going to make it seem like a like a, like you do very little. But someone like heavy rain, where like what you do does affect characters and stuff, but like the ultimate arc is the same. Or is it like what you do? Because like Deus Ex is kind of that way. You can kill off important people, um, 
and that changes the structure of your certain missions, but ultimately the story arc remains the same until the end where you're given a choice between several between three different outcomes. But like all the way until the end, for the most part you meet the same people. You 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 make this you have to make similar similar ranges of choices. You know, some characters are dead so you don't have their help or whatnot or you don't have to deal with them, but you still kind of you know, you, you have that overall arc. And I and I've you know, I feel like I should know this about Mass Effect because I, I was going to say so you're, you're, you're you're explaining Deus Ex and it almost sounds like you're explaining Mass Effect. So um, it's like it's pretty much like that. Like yeah, you can't come out with a wildly different outcome in the end. Right. Yeah. Like the the story is pretty much set in stone. Um, You do make some like you do make some rather like important choices. Like, uh, I mean, is it a spoiler for Mass Effect one to say stuff at this point? Uh, for me, only because I haven't played it, I can remove my headphones. <laughs> well, I won't say specific names, but I mean, you make choices in terms of who lives or who dies. Um, oh, that I know. Yeah, that. that yeah. I so, like, and while, but I mean, that just while you're kind of uh, determining character outcomes, it does not affect the story outcome. Um, like, as opposed to Dragon Age, where you can, your your character choices can affect the story outcome. Like, uh, oh, interesting. Okay, so that I mean, one is truly very very like involved yeah like but dragon age ends in a way where it's like not their ending was just i don't i mean this isn't i don't i don't think this is a spoiler but like they don't really go in depth on the endings like what it is is like because you can't affect the outcomes instead of having like a nice visual like cinematic ending it's kind of just you know text pages here's what happened yes you know uh so i mean it's like a street fighter ending yeah kind of uh, but uh, back to Mass Effect. Um, Guile's ending. Wow, <laughs> I did it! You lying motherfucker! You didn't beat it. <laughs> lying ass motherfuckers. Uh, uh, were you, sorry, what were like you saying? Mass Effect's. You know, it's its story is one thing, but the universe it creates is another, mm, and okay. it's also trying to tell like it's the original Mass Effect is introducing you to this universe and your character's place in it, and so having this like. This um, this dialogue system really lets you set your own place in the universe for like who you are and how you fit into it and how you feel about certain races and politics and things like that. Um, so I think its system worked really well for that, and I kind of wish it would have had more of an overarching impact. Now I don't know how because I know like in a way it does your choices do have an overarching impact because of the way Mass Effect Two you know. Right takes all that into account and mass effect three maybe there that will eventually evolve into where like everything you've decided so far will have a drastically different ultimate ending for you oh, i mean yeah. and that could be yeah. like the ultimate form of storytelling the fact that you know you went through this entire series thinking you know it has this set story and in essence it's actually going to base your final story your final outcome off of everything you've chosen um, I don't know, obviously, and I don't know how Mass Effect 2 ends based on, and I don't want to know, obviously, how it ends based on stuff from Mass Effect 1. Um, if that, I mean, Al, can you kind of just generally answer that? Does it end, because you beat Mass Effect 2, right? Yeah. Um, honestly, end... Mass Effect 2 ends independently of what happens in the original, but things that happen in in the game, the certain statuses of certain things in the game are dependent on Mass Effect or have defaults if you never played them. So what you did at the end of the original Mass Effect has implications on what the environment of the world in Mass Effect 2 is like, but it doesn't mm. affect how it ends because the ending is all based on 
stuff that happens as you play. So it's, it, it's like the same saying, ending, but it's all about, you know, like the who lives, who dies thing, basically. Basically, it's kind of what I said then about like how it's like the story is its story, but like you get to kind of choose your place in the world. And like, like that's really where you're ultimately constructing things as opposed to like as opposed to affecting the story you're just affecting your place in the world exactly um to a point you know how in the original mass effect you were able to control the fates of certain things yeah those things are implicated in mass effect 2 and i think that this you have similar types of decisions for mass effect 2 and those things combined with some of the other things i believe that you have some of the other fates that you've decided in the first one are going to have implications on the third. The weird thing about right. Mass Effect 2 is that, like, Mass Effect 2 is, um, to a lesser degree, you impact the world. You know how, like I said, you control fates at the end of the game in the original Mass Effect? It's not as significant in Mass Effect 2 as it was in the original one. And I think that's just okay. due to the, how the game was designed. How The game is designed more like a uh, a simplified shooter RPG ish shooter, but it you know those big time RPG elements aren't really there anymore. So yeah. it's not like you know you you're not able to at the end of the game determine <clears throat> the fates of certain things in your area. Whereas in Mass in Mass Effect One you were in Mass Effect Two is more like uh, it's all about you and the people in your squad as opposed to the world. I'm being very cryptic. I know. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I I do understand what you're saying. Um, I mean, what do you what do you think about? Uh, do you think they Mass Effect Three will just end in a preset like idea that Bioware like has a story like their final outcome written, or do you think you can actually affect the ultimate ending? Based I on... would hope that you're able to affect the ultimate ending, and that there are different endings to the game depending on what you did, because there are things that you do and here's the thing there are things that you do in mass effect <clears throat> that don't really show um they don't really unfold in the sequel <clears throat> the first sequel uh-huh um let's see i'm trying to say this in a way that <laughs> no um <clears throat> for example when you determine the fate of uh i, I, I could I... say i could probably say it this way when you determine the fate of the queen Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I, I figured that's what you were talking about. It's not like in Mass Effect 2, the, the fate that you determine for the Queen is a major plot point in the game. I think that in 3, it will come back. But it's, it's only in Mass Effect 2, you kinda, I think you get certain story arcs or certain things change with the way certain people talk to you. Because uh, certain people recognize you for what you did. Yeah. And certain, I, I haven't played it again, you know, like, I, once I get back into playing Mass Effect again, I'm probably going to do things so that everything goes the other way, and decisions I made for my primary character, I will probably just overturn for the secondary character, and see how that affects my communication and how, the what the status of the world is in Mass Effect 2. Yeah. But, I think that, specifically, like, the Fate of the Queen is, uh relevant it's particularly relevant in three but then there's like um what you do with one of your party members significantly near the end of mass effect one uh-huh 
Not not the one with the two, but the one with the I, one. I am trying. I, I know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> just to say, I am trying my hardest not to listen so that I don't get it spoiled. Well, you're not going to get spoiled because I'm No, I know, I know, fake. but just you never know. Like I, I might I might hear something stupid and interpret that because I'm dumb like that. But in, in doing so, I am trying to read a blog post, but like... When I, I find that whenever I try to ignore something by reading it, like the keywords that will spoil something for me, not necessarily <laughs> here, but like in other things, will just pop out at me. Like I know. for when I'm watching twenty, when I'm watching not watching twenty four, but like when I'm watching other Fox shows, and I'm trying to avoid twenty four commercials, mm-hmm. but I have to keep it on Fox so I know that when so that I know that when my show comes back, I can unmute <laughs> it. Like I'll just kind of like glance up, glance up, glance up. Is it time yet? No. Is it time yet? No. And then I'll like put my hand up to the screen so that I can like tell when the um, TV rating bot because like you know when your show comes back from the commercial, it shows like TV fourteen or whatever mm-hmm. for the rating. Uh, and then, like, the one instance in which, like, I happen to glance at the wrong time or my hand slips, like, this big image of, like, something major in the next episode of 24 is happening. I'm like, oh, fuck. So it's kind of, yeah. I'm going to keep reading, but well, we keep can, talking. We can cut off the Mass Effect. No, 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 that's okay. Well, no, I'm, I'm just okay. going to say this uh, because uh, I, I was really mentioning a difference in one uh, decision over uh, the course of the game to another decision that you make over the course of the game. Now... Yes. That second thing that I was talking about, that yes. plays through like the entire game because um, you have interactions with certain characters and based on what you did in the first game, <laughs> uh, that atmosphere in Mass Effect 2 will be drastically different. Okay. Okay. Um, Yay, right. I made it through! <laughs> yeah, we'll just end it there. I know what you're talking about, Al. Um, and yeah, like... I it, the funny thing is I have a copy of Mass Effect 2 sitting here that I have not even been able to play yet because I still got to fin- get a character through Mass Effect 1 that I can actually properly import into Mass Effect 2. But uh, yeah, at some point I'll do that and maybe we'll be able to have a non-cryptic discussion about things. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Depending on if Austin ever gets to playing Mass Effect. I've... I'll just read a blog again. It's okay. <laughs> or I'll run away. That was yeah, good. I'll have a separate spoiler Ooh. cast. No one needs spoiler um, cast. Are you? Yeah, so you should, you to... could have a spoiler cast. <laughs> are you actually going to play uh, Mass Effect, Austin? Yes, but probably not for a long time. Okay, I just wanted to know because oh, I know you played it you know for a bit, do? but it wasn't working. Uh, we should all. Did, uh, Al, did you actually buy the Deus Ex collection thing, or did you already own it? Uh, I completely did not turn on my computer like this week because I was so busy. I did not buy it, but I have the original uh, DSX on disc. I was gonna say we should all play it and do like like a talk about that. I mean, Austin, I know you've played it probably recently because you play it all the time. Um, but I, I haven't actually. And I want to, but I never I, played I, it before, and I figured that'd be a, a good game for us to actually like talk in depth about since you talk so it, highly of it. Does it work on your Vista, Al? What? Deus Ex. I don't know. <laughs> hope it does. Give it a shot. <laughs> um, I have to go and find it. I don't think I... I'll look through my uh, CD thing. I just looked through this thing. I don't think I have it. But if I have it, I'll see. Check it out. Oh, so uh, maybe we should answer the actual question so we can wrap up this discussion. Like, what We have questions. Ultimate, what ultimately, what type of storytelling do you guys prefer? I think we answered that, didn't we? I, I said I said I, that from a pacing perspective, I really like the kind of like organic way that games like Heavy Rain and Metroid Prime and Half-Life handle it. Um, as far as the execution goes, I prefer the Half-Life method, but I, I, I think that Heavy Rain does a, a totally different thing in, in a very interesting way. What about you? Okay. I, I mean, overall, I prefer 
the like ultimately i prefer the way that like i said portal did it where it's like you are constantly playing and constantly having story that one to you. yes that one <laughs> yeah like it's just it's a non-stop like non-stop unlike ride unlike heavy rain where it's like non-stop but you really don't feel like you're doing much or you're like like unlike heavy rain where you feel like you are along for the ride uh portal you feel like you're actually playing um, yeah, it, it's more like you feel you you feel so much for heavy rain, but you don't actually feel like you're doing it. You just feel attached to it. Yeah, like it's almost uh, it's almost a, heavy rain is almost a passive viewing, whereas like a game like Portal is actual interactive entertainment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, I feel like I'm totally ragging on heavy rain, and I absolutely do <laughs> love the game, but uh, when compared to other storytelling mechanics, it does kind of fall short. Um, plus there's writing problems, which whenever you guys get around to finishing it and we can all talk about it, I would like to talk about in depth about, but, uh, <laughs> speaking of problems with writing and, you know, vocabulary that I just, I totally fucked up that sentence. Uh, Pea soup. Al, spinach. You, um, I honestly don't really like the, um, the method of storytelling for Final Fantasy. 13 because you know like i didn't like tens you know you run a couple steps in the story you run a couple steps and it's more story you run a couple steps in the story yeah put the control down every two seconds um <clears throat> mainly because the storytelling is uh it's non-interactive so when it comes to like um something like god of war where the story is kind of like mixed in but you it's still not interactive but it's so well spaced apart that it feels really good to take a break and then you know see some story and then get back into like fucking murdering people that i like a lot more i haven't really played much well i haven't played heavy rain really but from what i played of indigo prophecy the storytelling there for me is really good but it spooks me the hell out because <laughs> because I feel like I'm there. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, um, you know, like when you're doing things and certain other things are happening and <clears throat> like there's just indigo prophecy. But like when you're playing as um, God, what's, the, what's the guy's name? The guy that Lucas, Lucas, the murderer yes. or the, uh, yeah, Lucas. Then when you play Lucas, Lucas Kane and you're constantly, you know, Lucas Kane in these is situations the where somebody's trying yeah. to get to you and you have to do something to break away because you're with a criminal. Uh, those things kind of, you know, put me on edge. <clears throat> and it's really good because, you know, that's the story being told while you're a part of the story. But um, honestly, the out of the three here, it's going to be the, the the god of war type of storytelling where it's it's not interactive but at the same time it's paced it's in paced such a way well. that it yeah. really makes you uh kind of feel comfortable that you are getting <clears throat> some non-interactive story because a lot of the story uh, or a lot of the the pacing in the game where you're putting down your controller it, it's like there's not much of putting down your controller it's a lot of 
I'm running here and I'm gonna kill people and then I'm gonna run here and oh my god it's this big thing and I'm gonna try and kill it do this thing and that and then you finally like get to the end of the chapter and then a whole bunch of stuff happens that you don't interact with and you're like whew let me put that controller down for a minute yeah yeah I, I think that's the type of thing that Chris Kohler specifically was um was criticizing about 13 Final Fantasy 13 because there was another game called 13 right oh <laughs> yeah Duke the shooter where that didn't have David Duchovny. Thirteen did. Yeah. No. Area had David or not Area Fifty One. One of the some one of the, some first person shooter with aliens had fucking 13. David Duchovny. No, David, 13. thirteen is the cell shaded. Yeah, that's like, not first person it. shooter. Like this one, David Duchovny was a voice in thirteen. I'm gonna look it up. You keep talking. <laughs> uh, but I was I was gonna say that um, Chris Kohler's criticism was that thirteen Final Fantasy thirteen lacked that ebb and flow of of an RPG. Um, that kind of had like, oh, hey, so you're going to do all this stuff. Here's some story. Uh, and Yeah, 13, voiced by David Duchovny. Um, and right. here's a, here's a he town. He was also Area 51. <laughs> sure. Here's a town, right, where you can just kind of like lay low, and then now you get to go back into a dungeon again. And then here's a town. You get to lay low. Here's some story. You know, because because of the lack of towns and the lack of being able to just kind of go at your own pace in those sections, that's why he kind of was like railing against the pacing of that game. And I don't know if that holds true, you know, for for every for 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 most people who actually care about that, you know. But that's what his thought was. Is that is that how do you feel about that, Al? The, the lack of towns and, and and how it affects the pacing. Well, <laughs> well, I don't mind it because it's different. You know, um, I like the fact that you're constantly going towards something, towards a destination, and. Uh, that helps me actually play the game because once I got to, um, I, fuck it. Once I got the pulse, mm-hmm. it just bleeped that whole thing out. But once I got the pulse, no, I, I, I felt like that that thing that I mentioned uh, quite a few Last episodes episode. ago, yeah. where the game opens up and I suddenly feel like I, I suddenly stop feeling playing anymore. Like I don't want to play anymore because now it's just overwhelming. It's like, oh my god, there's a whole bunch of shit, and I really don't feel like playing anymore. Um, it took me just maybe five minutes of encouraging myself to just continue playing because it was such a, a shell shock. Um, right. That kind of thing kind of startled me because I was so used to like, okay, well, here's my destination. I'm going to run and do that. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, now I'm going to go and run and do that. Da, 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 da. Maybe I'll actually finish this game in time. Da, 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 da. And I'll do this that, you know? And then maybe I'll go... <laughs> and then... um. You know, it came to the part where I was like, wow, this chapter's really long. This is cool. And then I heard, you know, I was talking with Luca in, uh, at PAX, and he was saying that uh, the, the boss fight at the end of chapter 9 was really cool. And the boss fight at the end of chapter 9 was pretty cool. And I did that, and then I got to chapter 10, and I'm just saying to myself, damn, chapter 10 is really long. And chapter 10 was, it, it was also a, a dark guided you know, kind of experience, half of it. And then the other half of chapter 10 was just like open world. Wow, I could just run up to this thing and get a mission. And now it's more like talking to townspeople saying, and townspeople are like, oh, I need help with this. Could you do this for me, please? And then you go and you like do it. Um, My rat needs killing. Yeah, basically it was just like, like, oh, I'm having a problem with this slime. Can you kill the slime for me? I will pay you. And... <laughs> you go kill a slime, come back, it goes, thank you so much, I can now 
I don't know, eat my corn. Slime. <laughs> so, uh, you know, things like that. And then I had to force myself to actually, like, continue to play and, and not bother myself, really, with the extracurricular activities. And then once I got back onto <clears throat> that guided path type of thing again, I felt at ease. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse you! So maybe it's just a reverse for me. Uh, I, I, I think it's mainly because of the fact that I played so many Final Fantasy games before. I played 10, I played 12, I played 3, and then I played 13. So it was like a breath of fresh air because I'm constantly playing these games where it's like a town. I gotta run around and talk to people, and then I go out and I'm just like fighting, grinding levels. And, I like that. You know, I'll go fight a boss and it'd be too strong for me, so I gotta go back and grind some levels, talk to more towns, people, do some extra shit, and then go back and fight the boss. Whereas now in Final Fantasy 13, I'm running through the game, and as long as I play the fucking game right, I won't die. Now I'm playing the game <laughs> right, I'm not dying much anymore. Uh, but yeah. remember when I was like all frustrated and shit? Yep. I'm not really frustrated anymore because now I kind of I swapped out some characters and I'm. Doing some things differently, and you know, I'm I'm having a lot more fun with the game. As a matter of fact, I probably should play it after the podcast instead <laughs> of I'm really thinking about playing Blaze Blue, but I should probably play Final Fantasy XIII. Blaze Blue, Blaze Blue, still in the you my boy Blue, you my boy, <laughs> you my boy Blue, you my boy Blue. All right, I think I'm tuckered out on this topic here. Yeah, I think we're done. Once 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 Blue came into the picture, mm-hmm. I think he's a boy. Um, here's to Will Ferrell. Uh, yeah, so I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, Pete, you live digitally, so where is your digital address? Uh, Facebook.com slash Riven. Facebook.com slash Riven. YouTube.com slash Riven. YouTube.com slash Riven. Twitter.com slash Riven. Twitter.com slash Riven. And probably some other stuff.com dash Riven. Probably some other stuff.com slash Riven. 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 Al. Facebook.com slash XLM2K. Facebook.com slash XLM2K.com. Twitter.com slash DRedMage. Dr. Ed Mage with the peanut butter. Uh, XLM2K.blogspot.com. XLM2K.blogspot.com. Cinco, cinco, cinco. Um, I'm just going to throw this one out here too. Uh, RocafuerteMusica.com because we have a new website. R-O-C-A-F-U-E-R-T-E-M-U-S-I-C. A. A. Punto com. Dot com. Dot com. Because they're going to try to spell out punto. Oh, punto? Oh. Now you have. Uh, no, I said punto. You said. Yeah. Punto com. Anyhow. Uh, is that it? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. So, Dr. Fishy Pants is Brian Fishman's aquarium of doctorness and video games. He's a fish doctor and he writes about video games. Fishy Pants. Go to drfishypants.com. The word doctor is spelled out. Um, you can also see my nonsense on sharkversusoctopus.com. Versus is spelled out. You have to put the www in front of it. Uh, you can always visit my GameSpot blog at GameSpot slash profiles. I can't remember. One second, one second, one second, one second. One second. GameSpot slash users slash Mr. Chupon with a zero. Same thing at, uh, at Giant Bum. Um, and we have a treat from, oh yeah, Maurice lives at everyonelovesdinosaurs.com. Is it everyone or everybody? I think it's everyone. I think it's everyone too, but I don't know. It's everyone. Remember. Everyone loves dinosaurs. And then uh, Austin Light, who is a, who was another freelancer for GameSpot and has my name. I can say that because I'm older than him. <laughs> um, made a funny picture of uh, 
Kratos and a child who spilled milk. Uh, let me try to find it. It's on his user blog at GameSpot, and his username is yeahright. So go to GameSpot.com slash users slash Y-E-A-H underscore W-R-I-T-E. It's a pun. Yeah, right. Um, and there is a picture. It's called No One Spills Milk on Kratos' Breakfast Patio. Fucking awesome. Especially with the and I suggest. I suggest that he put a button prompt on. He he made one with a button prompt. So, yes, it is funny, and I like it. And he has my name, which is kind of cool. Okay. All right, that's it. So, uh, for Pete. There's apparently comics on everyonelovesdinosaurs.com. Oh, yeah, there are. For Al. I'm looking for a Pokedex so I can find out what moves Pichu learns. No one spills milk on your patio. I've been your host, Austin, and we're out like tile grout. <laughs> Gordon Freeman. I'm so glad you're. Oh, Lamar, what are you doing? Careful, Lamar. These zaps are quite hot. <coughs> Is this on? Yes. Very well. I. I am not much of a public speaker, but I'll. I'll do my best. <laughs> Fellow citizens, residents of City 17 and environs, by which I mean sentient residents, of course, a human and otherwise. There is little need to explain recent developments to our Vortigaunt allies. At any rate, <clears throat> first, as a matter of great urgency, if you find yourself still within the confines of City 17, you are well advised to leave the city at once by the fastest means available to you.